Tonight's episode of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is brought to you by Drew Estate. Come experience the rebirth of cigars at www.drewestate.com and download the free Drew Diplomat smartphone app today to discover nearby retailers, RSVP to special events, redeem points to win exclusive Drew Estate merchandise, and much, much more. Brothers and sisters of the leaf, coming to you live once again from the corner of no hope, it's the Tuesday Night Cigar Club Podcast. Tonight the boys jump into the future, or is it the past, to discuss the brand spanking new movie Terminator Dark Fate, while smoking the delicious Daniel Marshall Red Label Cigar paired with Carlsbad Elephant Beer. Will our favorite crew of drunken time-traveling numbnuts determine that a film franchise's fate has been saved with this latest entry? Or that they should just stop making these fucking things already? You're gonna have to keep listening to find out. So sit back, folks, light them up, and enjoy the show. Hasta la vista, baby. Well, boys, uh, tonight's show, as you know, is all about fate. And I had an incident happen recently, I was telling the doctor about earlier, that could have easily changed my fate and possibly the fate of many, many others. If you'll indulge me. Please. I was dropping off uh, my youngest daughter at preschool. As you know, earlier... uh, Earlier in the week, weather was quite nasty here. Yes. And uh, I was in a hurry to, to get her in, get her out. Sleeting, cold. Um, so I rushed her in, dropped her off as I'm going back to my truck. I, there's a series of sidewalks and there's a little bit of grass, and I chose to beeline it across the grass to get out of the, the harsh weather. I hear a voice behind me. You know, I bet they would appreciate it if you didn't walk across the lawn. Now, normally, doing a Terminator movie tonight, I get those options. (laughs) Normally, the number one option for me would be don't say anything. Strangers talking to me, not going to say anything. But I was a little hungover. 
and the weather being what it was, and it was just kind of a miserable morning in general. You went with option C on that list, didn't I you? I went with option D. No, I'm sorry. I went with option C, yes. D is would not be kosher in the presence of small children. Without looking back at this voice who called me out for walking across the lawn, which who knew that was even a, a thing to... I said back, who are you, the grass police? And I just, right then, right then and there, the rain picked up tremendously, and I just kept marching towards my truck. I didn't look back. I never saw the guy's face. But he said nothing in response to, who are you, the grass police? Went back to my truck with my head down. I did not hear another peep from that jackass. But if the rain hadn't picked up suddenly, and the weather was a little bit nicer, I would have looked back, or I would have said something else. And if he would have been really hardcore serious about sidewalk etiquette and wanting to do a Judgment Day-style face-off with me right there and then over the situation, everything as we know it could have changed in an instant. Fate is a tricky, tricky thing, my friends. If you think about it, I'm kind of like John Connor in leading the resistance for all humanity by standing up to that putz. No, I don't see that. I didn't want to do it, but something inside of me as a born leader who inspires all those around me just knew I had to take a stand and say, who are you, the grass police? Or else all would be lost. You're welcome. I don't know, Todd. Sounds to me like just a couple of assholes, doesn't it? Yeah. I was going to say douche patrol. Actually, Him. I... Yes, I, I felt like the guy, uh, when you initially told me about this, I, I felt like I didn't see what his problem was. But here's the thing. Immediately when I got in my truck, I, I well, actually, I started laughing before I got to my truck. When I got in my truck, I was just, I, I very rarely laugh hard at myself, even though I'm a pretty funny guy. I just couldn't believe that I had just called that guy the grass police. And like I said, it's fate. It would have been one thing if there had been signs around, like, don't walk on the lawn or something like that, and you were ignoring those, but just, you told me there was nothing like that around, and for this dude to say something like that, you kind of have to think, like, hey, man, what's, what it do you care? It was a patch of grass about the size of this table, and he felt the need to say something about me walking on it. I also I like how your reenactment of his voice was very similar to Principal McCulloch. Hey, fleet of foot, I'm sure they'd appreciate it if you'd use the sidewalking path. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Somebody calling somebody out for stepping on grass? Only if not like at A and M, not where well, you're not allowed to walk on the grass. But I mean, it just in life, like well, just like you know, you know, old person talking about their grass. Get off my lawn. If it was his lawn, sure. But maybe he's one of those guys like where he like doesn't want people on his lawn. Like, when we were trick or grass treat, is sacred. When we trick or treated last week, I was very careful to send the kids up the driveway, up the sidewalk. Nobody walked on anybody's grass. You never know, you know. I don't want you on my grass. I've always Who are you, it. the grass police? No, yeah. I mean if you step on the grass, I'm not going to say anything. That's what grass is for. But I don't want like. You know, I know. Isn't grass God's sidewalk? I was about to say, camp out on my lawn. What? Don't camp out on my lawn. I know. I can see how your fate may have ended up differently had this dude been like some MMA fighter. I mean, granted, I mean, I I wouldn't, I myself would never want to mess with you or anything like that, but I mean, you know, if this was like some 
triple black belt or whatever, and he just... Oh, my fighting days are far behind me. I, I'm, I'm not looking for trouble. And normally I would just not but that, say that could have, If the dude was a, one of those high-strung guys, that he could have been right in your face. He, he was could have been just looking for a fight. Yeah. So your fate could have been... And I could have been that, that one news story that day, father shot in back of head at preschool for mouthing off to grass police. <laughs> in quotes, grass police. I mean, does this guy just stand around? What I mean, like, what about like, little kids come running out? I don't think they ever think like I'm just gonna stay on the sidewalk. Well, maybe gonna run all over the ground. Do you think he does this all over the place? Like he just Probably. stakes plays on. Hey, that's Bermuda. I don't know about that, but I think the kind of jerk that would say something like that to a total stranger over something that seems rather innocuous, probably. Kind of like our theory about the expert. There's a certain people that they can't go in somewhere. They can't do anything without, without causing a problem. This is probably a, the same sort of... He might have just been having a bad day. Yeah, perhaps. Look at him standing up for the grass police and not me. So typical. Well, I he think might have you, been having a bad day, too. I don't know. I, I mean, I was having a bad day. That's why I responded the way I did. I could have like, gone, like, like Cody said, that was option C. On my Terminator screen, I did not say option D. Everybody has bad days. But I figured you would just, you know, basically fuck off, asshole. That was option D. <laughs> fuck off, asshole. Fuck you, asshole. Right as my kid runs back out, I forgot her lunchbox. Oh no. <laughs> Mincy said they sh- the doctor said they uh, they should have done a uh, one of those, you know, the old CSI spinoffs, CSI Grass Police. The whole thing is just about. Grass crimes. I, I don't think that would fly. One, maybe two episodes. We just spent like, what, 15 minutes talking about walking on the grass? We're a bunch of old damn men now. Could I be in those episodes? <laughs> you could be like Caruso. You could take off your doctor's glasses. Looks like somebody mowed the lawn. Yeah! Dun, dun, dun. Yo! That's the Who song I was doing there. So there's a dead I, body on the grass. Oh, he's just fertilizer now. <laughs> He's getting it. He's getting it. Yeah. Uh, Looks like somebody watered the wrong damn ant hill. (laughs) Uh, Coming to you live on Hallmark. The wrong day to water. (laughs) The wrong lawn. Dude, Hallmark love stories about two greenskeepers who find love? Yeah. They, They both hate people walking on the grass and they find romance in it. Starring John Stamos as Matt Cade. You mean John? Jonathan Stamos? Jonathan Stamos, I'm sorry. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the... So we, we both agree that because of what I did, it probably altered something in our timeline that... No. In did a, a did possible a, timeline. And in one possible timeline, I pretty much saved humanity. Welcome, everyone, to the Tuesday Night Scar Club, episode 105... It's a rare show tonight, as we do what we traditionally only do once a year, tops. Some years we don't do it at all, where we all checked out a brand spanking new movie in the movie theater. In theaters right now. And we're going to talk about it. Well, it's fresh on our minds tonight with you, our loving, beautiful audience. Doctor's got a kazoo over there doing the Terminator theme. Uh, Or some shit like that. That's what we're doing. Uh, So we all went to the theater. Doctor, tell us about your theater experience. 
Wait till you get a load of this, guys. Uh, well, sir, I recently relocated out to uh, suburbs. I was already kind of in them, but even further out. Suburbs so, uh, of Dallas, Texas. Uh, yes, for further out north. Um, and uh, the local theater uh, is an AMC theater, and I knew they were a little more expensive on their matinees. I, I may have complained about it once in a... Uh, I've always wondered, why is a matinee cheaper? It costs them the same thing to do anything Because else. typically the evenings are busier. I especially understand so, it on weekdays. And you do it yeah. to, to draw people in. Yeah. Because my favorite times are going are weekday afternoons. Sure. Um, so I went uh, this past Monday and uh, for people who happen to be uh, cursed with the uh, sickness known as Dallas Cowboys fan. I wanted to make sure I got the viewing in before the Monday night football game came on. Uh, so the show that I wanted to see was at 4.30. And another one a little bit later, but the 4.30 show would get me home in time for a kickoff. Uh, of course, I get there and I find out that the 4.30 one is going to be an IMAX viewing. So I'm going to pay extra. So it was uh, $16 for my ticket at 4.30 on a Monday. $16 for one person on a Monday afternoon. But it was IMAX. It's IMAX. It was a huge I've never screen. been. It was a huge screen, although I've, I've still... I don't really... I mean, I enjoyed it. I don't... The, the I doctor don't, asked me what's the difference between IMAX and regular, and I was like, well, it's a bigger screen. He's like, yeah, it was kind of bigger. I, I, mean, I, I don't... Really, it wasn't, there's different... T- there's, I learned that there's different sizes IMAX. Like the one in Temple's not like not as big as the one in uh, after you Bob picked Bullet up some popcorn and a soft drink. What did this trip to the movies cost you? Uh, just a touch under thirty bucks. God bless America. That's crazy. Yeah. It's I'm not t- Austin. The way I thought, the way Austin, I figured it was typical. though, like is it? Yeah. Oh yeah. What's interesting? Yeah. I did not have matinee. I was the. Only person oh, no, in the entire theater, giant IMAX theater. <laughs> the only the Monday after the show opened, I'm the only one there. Did you at least get a nice seat in the middle? I like back row. Oh I'm really? A back row You're a back guy. row guy. Yeah. Yeah, huh? I like to stretch my legs out. Masturbate. Uh, I mean, you know, <laughs> play it by ear, see what happens. But I figured that, you know, with the price and. <coughs> I mean, they as far as just keeping the lights on. I mean, they broke even with just me. If yeah. I had a friend or a date, they would have got a problem. Did you go by yourself, Dad? Yeah. Would you pay? Uh, Where'd you see it? What was your experience? Alamo Draft House in Lakeline, okay, uh, North Austin. Uh, went by myself. The theater was pretty packed, and it was nine fifty for a ticket. Uh, it was Saturday at about four thirty, I think. Did you get some snacks? Uh, yeah, I got the bottomless tub of popcorn for uh-huh. nine bucks. Uh, butter and everything. It was good. It's I would weird. like to point out that this particular theater, they they are doing everything they can to try and make it worthwhile. It's a theater that has an actual uh, bar in the lobby. Right. Where you could go have a, you know, not like a draft house a right. food theater where you could actually go have a drink beforehand. You bring your own booze though. Uh, well, I don't need to know that. Oh, sorry. Um, we'll edit that out. And it's it's very. It's very clean. They, they go that extra mile to make it a very clean sure. viewing experience. I, I'm only asking these things because I, I tend to... The last movie I saw in the theater was last year when we did Halloween. Halloween. Um, I'm actually thinking about investing in, in a 77-inch TV for the house, so I never have to go to the theater. Uh, we went on a Sunday afternoon. It was uh, Mrs. Host of the TNCC and myself. 
We spent 19 bucks reserving two middle recliner seats online. It was 19 bucks, and then a small small popcorn, a big lunch, which I've never gotten a small popcorn. Like that was a first for me. I always get the big tub, but no, really full. So we got small popcorn, two drinks. Here's what this kid tries to get me on. Hey, can I get a uh, small popcorn, butter throughout, uh, medium Coke, and a large Coke Zero, please? Oh, you're, if you're going to get that, you might as well just get our premium combo. Oh, what's that? It's a large, bottomless tub of popcorn and two extra large soft drinks? That's the complete opposite of what I asked for. Uh, so I did that. Uh, but yeah, it was 19 bucks, and then I think I got out of there for like 30 with with popcorn and drinks. Yax, what was your... You better come up with something really exciting here to make this... As I always do, I go to the last showing... Sunday night. Sunday night. You love the late Sunday night show because no one's there. Correct. I was not the only person. There was about... There was only... Besides myself, there was a couple and one other guy. That That other guy was me. I was watching you. But no. Uh... And I did get the ginormous popcorn endless tub. The guy was so... He's like, this is the best deal. I was like, well, I got to take it. You did it. Did you get the hot dog? I did not. Good man. So the reason that you said you were considering buying a large TV so you never have to go again, was there more to that? No, uh, this this experience was actually okay. Um, There was a guy, because we had the middle recliner seat, the best seat, and I reserved ahead of time. There was... We were sat behind the handicap slot... And the guy's electronic wheelchair in front of me had a huge light-up control panel on his wheelchair, and I was worried about that. I was wondering if he's gonna, if he could kill those lights, because I mean, it looked like that thing from Ghostbusters that they wave <laughs> around. Like, it was just really lit up, and like that's like ten cell phones. Yeah. But no, he did kill that. But my Halloween experience last year was terrible. Yeah. I mean, his family brought eight five-year-old kids, like a whole family of kids next to me. It was just awful. I, I just not real big on being in a closed-in dark space with strangers. That's um, why... Uh, and, and those big TVs are so cheap now. I, I, mean, enjoy, I enjoyed the theater experience. You, you guys live in a little more metropolitan areas where uh, I think the theaters are a little bit different. Also, experience. when I like, you go to those 4.30 p.m. on Monday and Tuesday shows, this is the second movie in consecutive weeks. I saw the Zombieland sequel the week before. Where I was the only person in the theater. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, it's pretty I, nice. Yeah, see, I, yeah, it's I, I don't. It's great for Unzip your pants. I don't like that. I'm like, I, one of the things that makes the movie experience for me is hearing all, everybody else. It oh, used, no, fuck hearing that. The I'm, I'm all hearing happy the laughs, it, hearing the gasps, hearing the chuckles. It used to be for I me. I mean, that's, to me, that's the only reason it, to go to the movies. It used to be, but with my, my encounter with the grass police... I, I just I'm losing mm, faith. Just in, a bitter old man. Then. I'm losing faith in humanity. No, he was a bitter old man. I think I didn't see his face. See, I, that's funny. I, I remember in ni- I remember in the '80s watching Rocky Four in the uh, height of the Cold War in a little bitty town, and the entire theater chanting USA. I mean, the last that's ex- the type of experience. The last that you experience get the I had theaters. like that tut was in College Station, Texas. It would have been probably '90. You'll be able to answer this. It was the original Scream. 96, late 96, 96, early 97. In College Station, Texas. And man, it was Saturday night, the late show. And it was so packed. People were sitting in the aisles. And I think I was sitting like... I didn't have a seat. It was just so packed. And they just oversold it. 
but man, the whole crowd was just going crazy at every joke, at every kill. Yeah. That was the last, like, good time but I had in the theater. That in and of itself is also a rarity to find and be in a... with a group of people that are actually vested in the movie. Yeah. You know what? I, I, that's kind of one of We've never really talked about the theater experience, and I was like, you know what? We don't go very often for the show, yeah. so I thought we'd just kind of touch on everybody's individual. And I don't really go often. I, I think I've gone to the theater twice this year, and I'll go a third one when Star Wars comes out, I guess. I, uh, yeah, no. No, I've been about four, maybe four times, because okay. I think. I was really pissed off I didn't see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, because I, I have seen every Tarantino film in the theater, yeah. starting with Pulp Fiction. And I really wanted to see that on the big screen, and I, I missed it. Uh, Doctor, you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, and probably give me a toss-up with, with which one of us goes more. I bet you go more, probably. That I don't, boy I don't, sees a lot of movies. I, do. I, don't, I don't go every week, but <coughs> I mean, I was about to say both of y'all. So probably see a lot of every other week. Yeah, you guys are okay. Yeah. yeah. If I get that TV, you guys can watch them over at my house. But I, I haven't gone to. I haven't gone to a show. I don't want some drunk asshole on your couch. Yeah. Oh, it's you. I haven't gone to a show on the. Are you the movie police? I haven't gone to show on a weekend, like a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday yeah. afternoon. I haven't. I haven't taken one of those in five yeah, years. Yeah, I had to roll the dice, and but it was fine. It was fine. Uh, okay. Well, we are doing Terminator Dark Fate tonight. So, Tut. Whenever we do an Arnold movie on the show, what do we smoke? Daniel Marshall. The Daniel Marshall. What does it say on my shirt? Oh, you got your Daniel Marshall shirt on. Look at that, folks. Bling bling. Sexy. Bling bling. It's so blingy, I can't even. I walked in. I walked into my local tobacconist today, and he was just looking at me from the door, like, <laughs> "What's on your shirt?" It's Daniel Marshall. A personal gift from Daniel Marshall. Was he like, "Oh shit"? Yeah, he, he, he quieted down. Yeah, I'm sure he did. Uh, we have done the Daniel Marshall Red in our very first year when oh, we did Maggie. Man. Yes. And then we did their his uh, Daniel's Black Label last year. Yes. And now we are going to revisit the Red Label Churchill, which Daniel has told us in our last interview with him. We've actually interviewed Daniel twice here on the show for Batman and Robin when we did the Black Label. And then we interviewed him in person in Vegas uh, last year at the IPCPR trade show. Um, I would consider him a friend of the program. And he told us this is the Daniel Marshall cigar that Arnold smokes. This is his preferred Daniel Marshall cigar. I actually saw a photo of Arnold smoking one of these on the internets. There you go. The internets don't lie. Uh, So this is Arnold Schwarzenegger's good friend Daniel Marshall and Arnold Schwarzenegger's preferred cigar that his good friend Daniel Marshall makes. What else can I say about Daniel Marshall that we haven't said already? Uh, the He's an icon in the industry. He makes the best humidors possibly in the history of the Beautiful industry. Beautiful art is what he makes. He is an artist, a craftsman, a gentleman. I think he's somebody that we all kind of agree we wish was our dad. Yeah. At least you and me. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he's just awesome. He's just a really awesome guy. And tonight, cigar is a seven by forty-eight Churchill, oh, like Nicaraguan Habano wrapper with yeah, Nicaraguan binder and Nicaraguan filler from Jalapa and Esteli, a Nicaraguan puro. Uh, this is Arnold's preferred brand. 
This is Arnold's preferred. If he's not smoking a Cuban, he's probably smoking this. Okay. But he and Daniel uh, constantly do events together. Um, Daniel's always a guest at Arnold's uh, house parties and gatherings. When Arnold used to do the cigar nights at his restaurant, Shotzi on Main, back in the 90s, that's where Daniel met him, and he told us the story on the show. They became fast friends. Um, it's safe to say Daniel Marshall is in that tight little circle of Arnold confidants. Um, so it really makes no sense to smoke anything else but Daniel Marshall whenever we do uh, an Arnold movie. Why would you want oh, to? Oh, that aroma, Todd. It's flooding the day. What'd you get on the cold draw? It's fucking fabulous. I got a little bit of tea. I got a little bit of chocolate. It was great. It was fantastic. Uh, tea and chocolate on the cold draw. Okay. What are you interested in for you? You're a big tea guy, doctor. Get any tea? Black English or... Uh, uh, I did not get tea. I get a, a spice there. Ooh, a little bit of spice on the cold drum. I can second that tea. I got just kind of tea? Sweet tea? Green tea? It's a hopped up little chai tea for the spice oh, that, that Mint is picking up. Mm. No, it was more like a ginseng. Chai it's clear tea. I don't know what I'm talking about at all. Can Kentuck quit talking in that voice? No, I can't. Black? I don't care how horrible the accent is. Unsweetened black tea. Unsweetened black tea. Got a hint. Little little thing of uh, hay and some of the... uh, That mineral. Okay. All off the cold draw. All off the cold draw. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's actually a very flavorful cold draw. It's Uh, not your normal just, here's your hay and grass. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, Yax, as you uh, take a minute to light your cigar, I'm going to ask you to uh, stop that and tell us about the beer. Actually, no, go ahead and light up. Um, By the way, if you want to buy these, you can go to Well, I can uh, talk Daniel about it. No, 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 you light up, enjoy, tut. Can you, get these, can you get these with our promo code? No. No, you cannot. So you can go to DanielMarshall.com. I think that's or is it DanielHumidors.com. There's... Plenty of online retailers that do carry the red label. And by the way, if you want to get one of those fancy humidors, you can go oh. to TuesdayCigarClub.com, uh, click on the Daniel Marshall advertising thing that we got there. And uh, I'm not sure if he's still running there. Every now and then he does the cash for clunkers. It's still running. Oh, sweet. So you can trade in your old, jankety, messed up humidor and get a piece of art that all your friends are going to be talking about, you and can I literally, might come over to your house and You steal. can literally turn in a $10 piece of crap humidor you got free from some website promo, and Daniel will give you a discount coupon for a significant amount off one of his creations. And, and we're talking works of art. Yeah, they are. And I don't care what anybody says. You know, a lot of guys uh, will say... I keep my cigars in Ziploc bags with Bovita packs. Okay, good for you. I keep my cigars in a Rubbermaid tupper thing. That's sweet. Very economical. I agree with Daniel. All his cigars are aged in actual humidors before they. you can purchase them. <coughs> Excuse me. I still have a little bit of cold tonight. Uh, there is absolute, in my mind, benefit of storing your cigars in a Spanish cedar quality humidor that you just can't you, you just can't replicate that any other way and that's where I stand and well I'm not gonna no I'm say not say it alright yeah I will bust on you if you got a Ziploc bag and that's what you're storing it in first of all 
not everybody can afford a Daniel Marshall humidor. I know I can't. I do not have one. That's one of the things that as soon as I get the amount of disposal big income to do it. podcast money. <laughs> once we get big podcast money, then I'll be getting a Daniel Marshall humidor. Uh, or if my wife is listening to the show... Please give me a Daniel Marshall oh, humidor. Or if my wife passes away, I'll use the, <laughs> the insurance money to buy a No, that's Daniel monkey Marshall. paw stuff right there. I, uh, but no, I, I mean, question the well, insurance policy I just signed. If you don't, if you don't have the money, that's fine. I understand. I mean, everybody's it's been a there. luxury, right? Yeah, item. I mean, it is a wonderful luxury item. If if you're going to go in there, there's something about opening your own damn humidor and you get that smell that's just. Oh, it's just uh, great. Which would you rather do? Jane, wrestle with that little pop lock Tupperware bowl that you got everything in? Your friends come over, you got a girl over, and you're like, want to be big, Mr. Big Shot? Let me open this Ziploc hey, bag. I just made you this wonderful uh, steak and seafood dinner, a little bit of wine. Would you like to join me out on the lanai for a cigar? Let me open this Ziploc bag. Or and this again, Tupperware container. And no. again, if that's all. If that's the only game you got, man, respect it and, and go with it. But how about you open up pure goodness, pure art, pure craft? I, I love how we're all saying this, and we don't own a Daniel Marshall. <laughs> we will. Yeah, but at we the will, same someday. time, like I've got my humidor when I at my desk. I got my humidor over my left shoulder. It's on the second shelf, and when I turn around, it just makes me happy. When I'm on a conference call and I got my, my Skype window up in there, guess what I made sure is in the frame? That humidor. It makes people At laugh. least once every two days. Uh, I'm going to up my chest here. I, I have several humidors in the house. But there's one in my den. In a, I keep it in a bookcase out in the you know public cigars. And at least every other day when I'm walking by it, I'll walk by it. And I'll stop, and I'll go back, and I'll just crack it open and stick my nose in. That there is nothing like that smell, boys. Up your I only have one, but it's it's a. I mean, I've had it. It's like a hundred count. It's a big one. It, yeah, it's a pretty big one. I, I think I paid around two hundred dollars for it. Is that panther piss in terms of a humidor? No, or it's not. No, no. And I've had it three is, years. There I is mean, no. There is no. You know, good or bad. If it holds humidity and it keeps your cigars. It's Fresh? been doing that for three years. It's a good I, humidor. I, there I you keep go. several Bovita bags in it. All, I'm sure more than you need to, but I've been told you yeah. can, there's no such thing as too many. I'll tell you this. I got that little starter humidor from like Cigars International when I first started smoking. Sure. I, was so, I was so damn proud of that thing. I was like, look at my humidor. I have arrived in the world. Tuttle is going to be a man of industry. When the doctor was in college, he worked at a tobacco store in the Dallas Mall. One of them. One of them. There might be a few more of those. I'm still suffering from a little bit of cold. He gifted me for Christmas a little wooden Spanish cedar, little five or six cigar humidor. But the smell is the same as any big humidor. I still have it. I still keep cigars in it. It is... Just the way cigars are meant to be that, stored. That was an old school one. Like you had to, you had to do more maintenance with that than once today, right? No, really, no. I, no? I, I, I keep a little 
humistat tube. Bovita, but it was they didn't. Now correct me if I'm wrong. They didn't have Bovita bags back then. Oh God, no. no, no so no. you had to you had to actually you had to, to monitor the humidifier. Oh, that came with a little green foam. Uh, yeah, like yeah. at the aquarium store. Whereas today you just switch out your bags every six weeks or whatever. Yeah, and and that thing was so small. It actually, uh, just a little humidity tube, and it, it keeps four or five cigars. But but just store your cigars if there's any way possible in a cedar humidor. Gentlemen, up your game, improve your life. So how much does yes. a Daniel Marshall humidor cost? What, what's the range? I'm sure there's quite a uh, range. The, the low end 400? is the low end's like 350 I think with the cla- cash for clunkers, with the, cash with the, America, the Americana line, which is the one I'm eyeing, it's like 350 400 You like it's, that black finish? Yeah, is that the one yeah, you like? yeah, that was nice. So if you're wanting to but keep... But they go... Uh, they go up. That's a smaller one, but I mean, yeah, you can get one for several thousand. So if you're wanting to, if you're wanting to have room for forty or fifty stogies, what what are you going to look to spend? That's what the, the Americana I think is the seventy five count. Uh, yeah, yeah but you, usually with cigar humidors, uh, subtract a third of what they say. They say, yeah. If they say it's a hundred count, you can maybe get seventy five, and then maybe yeah, you're right. I've maybe seventy five yeah. robustos at that. Uh, they they tend to fill up a lot quicker than what they advertise. You could probably safely keep fifty in the one I have. And now. Yours is a hundred count, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean that's just kind of yeah. that's just kind of how the whole crazy world works, but. Uh, uh, check out Daniel Marshall's website. Go to Cash for Clunkers if you're in the market. Uh, it's on our website. Uh, what do you uh, initial revisiting an old friend here tonight? What are your your first thoughts? Beautiful ash, by the way. Uh, yeah, I am revisiting an old friend. It's just nice Nicaraguan tobacco. Uh, you got Very everything earthy. everything that you want in there. It's got the earthiness. It's got the mineral. Yeah. Uh, really great draw. Smooth construction, Doctor. Uh, excellent draws and construction, great flavor. Um, really can't put my finger anything specific in it. Um, gonna be interesting to see what comment. Interesting to see what comments people have about how this matches with the beer. Uh, we'll get to the beer in a minute. Uh, yes, cigar. The initial. I mean, I still have that. Just a touch of the 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 hay or the grass. No more tea for myself. Nope. But. Just a, a slight, you know, pepper on the retro, but very you know, slight, very slight. Very but it, but it, there's a there's a bit of a tingle there, and but all around that that like I said the the mineral is there, earthiness and mineralness is, yeah. is definitely there. Class. It's also nice and rustic, and uh, its band matches my shirt. Its band does match your Dana Marshall shirt, you son of a bitch. Uh, all right, talk about the beer, Yax. I will talk about the elephant in the room. The <laughs> elephant in the room. I've been waiting all day to say that, by the way. Just <laughs> all day. Good That's timing. not as good as Who Are You, The Grass Police, but it was good. Yeah. It was better. It was better, Son Cody. Son of a bitch. It is the Carlsberg Elephant. Or as I like to say, Oliphant. No, that's Tim. No, I'm out of here. Uh, I should say our main man in tonight's film is named Carl for some reason. So here we are with a Carlsberg beer pairing experts. <laughs> Actually, when I saw the elephant beer, how did I miss this for the banana splits episode with Snorky the Snorky. elephant and all the other banana splits? Which is, is, is very yeah. sad because in their we own description, would. which I shall read, hey, we can't go back in time, can we, fellas? In their own description, well, let, let me let me go back here. Carlsberg Elephant, uh, made by Carlsberg 
Berg Brewing, which was uh, founded in 1847 Good God, by J.C. Jacobson. Uh, the the brewery itself is actually named after his son, which was Carl. Okay. Um, they have been obviously brewing off and on. Their, their, of course, their flagship beer is Carlsberg. Uh, the Elephant is a is a variation that they worked on. It is a they say it is a Bach type beer, but it is not the the Bach beer that we think of. Texas Bach. Right. Uh, the, this the style actually. I'll was be Bach. You know what? I'm just gonna stop talking. I can't, I can't work I'm so, with this. I'm so, I'm so sorry. Uh, they they started making this one in uh, eight, uh, 1959. The elephant in 1959. Correct. Oh my god. So it's not that old, and in, in, but uh, the self the the uh, Carlsberg itself is That's actually what well, is compared to most of the well American in comparison to the, the, the founding of the brewery and. 1800s. Well, that, well, well, that's true. That's true. So, I mean, they, I mean, almost 100 years later is when they started this one. But actually, Carlsberg is more notable for their additions to science. Uh, Jacobson was very much a man of science. He started a laboratory in uh, 1875. Invented time travel. Uh, not that that no. real science. Okay. Hey, he might have invented it. We just don't know. He's it working yet. on. It. Yeah. Uh, they uh, actually, uh, the Carlsberg Laboratory was the first to isolate the yeast used to uh, brew pale lagers. That He's was the originator of the pale lager. Well, they, they isolated the yeast. The yeast. Oh, the yeast. And, and identified it, uh, as well as they helped to found the use of the pH scale. Acidity. That's kind of a big deal. Uh, they loved, as, like I said, uh, Jacobson was a lover of science. Uh, when uh, uh, Neil uh, Niels Bohr was uh, awarded the Nobel Prize in 1922 for his work with uh, the contributions to understanding atomic structure and quantum theory. The boring world of Niels Bohr? The boring world of Niels Bohr. This is the guy that started the brewery? He got a Nobel Prize? No, no, no. Niels Bohr. But uh, Carlsberg, they, uh, Niels Bohr was, is also from... Uh, uh, Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. Drank Denmark, so much he started splitting atoms. They gave him a house next to the brewery with its own tap of Carlsberg beer. <laughs> and he quickly stopped creating anything. <laughs> just <laughs> that <was> insane. <laughs> just shit faced all the time. He's the genius who's going to solve all the world's problems. Who hunger, put the tap in there? Hunger, poverty, this guy's going to solve it all. Hey, put a tap in his house. Well, they may have asked him, was like, well, how did you come up with these great ideas? I was shit faced drunk. We can we can keep him that way. Hey, professor, I'm the cure for cancer coming. I don't give a shit about that anymore. Fuck all you guys. Man, this is a very uh, interesting company. Yes, they yeah. have done and are still doing wonderful things. As we are now drinking theirs. The uh, back to the elephant, though, as they uh, Carlsberg describes it themselves. The ample use of malt gives Carlsberg Elephant a vinous and rich character with apple, melon. Banana. I, yeah, I saw the banana. That, that caramel would flavors. Banana splits. Uh, balanced with a dry bitterness and hints of oak, bark, nuts, and pine needles. Oh, man of science. Why didn't somebody hook me up with a tab? <laughs> what does vinous mean? <laughs> vinous is a word that's, that's most commonly used uh, in describing the world of wine. Off off the vine? Right, yes. yeah. Hell. <laughs> Man of science indeed, Doc. Nobody's, nobody's giving me a tap. 
<laughs> but the uh, the elephant itself it, it measures in at a 7.2 ABV, and the IBUs are very low, right around 18. Yeah. Um, okay, so tastes like beer. I'll respect the doctor. I'll respect the company. You guys have done some great, great work, and you're you're damn proud Americans. I'm not respecting they, no, this they, beer. They're not Americans. Oh, they're not Americans. No. Oh, well, fuck them. Get Den- them out of our country. Denmark. No, get those. Isn't that who our last beer, the Golden Drock? Wasn't that from Denmark? Belgium. Same thing. No. It's all about Tuborg, the beer of Danish kings. <laughs> well, if they're not American, then I'm not going to respect anything that they it, do. It tastes like beer. It's it's a little too... I mean, it's... It's very malty. It's very malty. It incredibly, that like it. was actually... I don't like it. Uh, it, was almost, it was almost labeled as malt liquor... For the American market when they first started shipping it over. <laughs> Doctor and I are like... That's, that's why Kate and I are like, this is good. I, I, I've had this before. When I first read yeah. that description, I was like, oh, now I know why Kate Somebody get me this. a prime rib and a case of elephants. Usually there's a big king cobra on the bottle. Uh, Either I, that or some uh, silver surfer knockoff <laughs> called the Iceman, but I don't see him on here either. I just wanted it's to... Uh, it's with it's the 45... It's like, extremely malty. It is I'm not getting any banana or pine nuts. No, there's no flavor. I mean, it's just malt. I mean, it's just pure maltiness. Yeah. yeah. So I, don't get me wrong. It and it's okay. It's a I solid mean, beer, but I mean, in terms of nuance, yeah, eh. yeah you're not getting it. Okay. Yeah. I, it just totally knocks the flavor of the cigar right out of your mouth. Does it? Yeah. It kind of does. <laughs> I guess maybe because I know the flavor of the. I've smoked enough Daniel Marshalls. It's I'm I'm, I'm kind of ignoring the beer, but. I'm still getting. I don't mean that in any derogatory way towards the cigar. I mean, uh, the, of course not. <laughs> it is nice imagery, though. Where the beer just walks up to you. <laughs> you're terminated, fucker. <laughs> Do you like what you're doing right uh, now? Not anymore. So Carlsberg, though, did not. He did a lot of shit. But Your taste buds are terminated, fucker. <laughs> he did not invent time travel. As far that as we, we know, didn't, that we know, he didn't let us know about it. I mean, one day I'm going to be able to travel back in time about five years and change some things. Look. If if J.C. Jacobson comes walking through that Don't door over there, I could. I knew you guys were going to be talking about this. I saw it on my time machine. <laughs> Dude, what if you walked in right now? Just, oh, oh. Look, if you don't want to do the show up? anymore, just say so. But don't make us <laughs> all relive those five years all over again. <laughs> I literally just spit beer everywhere. <laughs> no, of course I wouldn't change a thing if I could go back in time five years. I wouldn't oh, put three other assholes sitting here. You say that with such confidence, though. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I promise. Oh, you're going to give me another one of those? Yeah. You're drinking more elephants, my friend. Gotta have at least two, Tut. Gotta have at least two. If it worked for Niels Bohr, it'll work for you. I well, mean, the good thing is is that it's not bad. I mean, it's not... I mean, just Hopefully, much like an elephant, I won't remember this beer tomorrow. Well, actually, the elephant is... Uh, they remember everything. The oh, that's right. I got that wrong. They remember everything. They don't, they remember. They don't forget everything the next day like yeah, I do. confuse me. Oh. <laughs> I'm all... Hey, speaking of changes, <laughs> I would not change anything about you guys if I could go back in time. I'd kill you all. <laughs> I'd rid the world of your presence. But I've got a new cigar I'd like to tell you good people at home about tonight. Can you believe this? For months, maybe a year, <laughs> I've been encouraging you to try the delicious coffee-infused tobacco special cigars... And now I'd like to open your eyes to a totally different smoking experience. Tell me. I am interested. 
the Pappy Van Winkle Family Reserve Barrel Fermented Cigar. Oh, yeah. Is a long filler premium cigar rolled in limited quantities at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate in Esteli, Nicaragua. Family Reserve. Deep barrel fermentation is the key process that makes this expression vastly different from anything on the market. Hand-selected leaves from Kentucky, we've been there and seen that happen, are packed into small torquettes, bundles of tobacco for you numbnuts, which are then loaded strategically into oak bourbon barrels. Water is then added, while immense pressure is applied to the torquettes via railroad jacks. We saw that. Saw that in Louisiana. The tobacco is removed two to three times per year, shaken out, then repacked. The total process of fermentation takes 12 to 18 months, leaving a truly unique flavor profile and aroma. The Pappy Van Winkle's Family Reserve Barrel Fermented is now available for the first time forever. It was only available on the Pappy Van Winkle website. It is now available at brick-and-mortar Drew Diplomat retailers everywhere. Yes. You can buy this. If you're if you got Drew Diplomat store, go get it. It's. I'll tell you this, too. From personal experience... If you are not a fan of Kentucky Fire Cured Tobacco, it is a very peculiar, very particular tasting cigar. Don't let that scare you away from trying the Pappy Van Winkle. Because once that tobacco goes from Kentucky to Louisiana, and Mark's farm there in Louisiana, Mark Ryan's farm, does their 12 to 18 month process, Mm -hmm. ingratiate in the tradition of Perique Tobacco, it is unlike any Kentucky Fire Cured tobacco you will ever smoke. No, it's not. It's not Kentucky. It fire is not cured. the same, no. and it's a very unique cigar. And I really want you to go out and try one. Yeah, I think that uh, we actually did one of the pappies. Uh, I'm not sure if we did the barrel aged. Uh, we did a family. Reserve. No, we did the tradition, which the is tradition. not has no fire cured. We love that cigar. That was really really cool. And then with the uh, Pappy Van Winkle coming in through Mark's deals, I mean, Willie's just kind of really branched out and kind of done some amazing blends with this this kind of unique tobacco. Sure. I would I would never think that you would be able to get something smokable, not let alone kind of delicious out of this. Uh, we I think I speak for all of us. We're not fans of the strictly Kentucky fire cured process. Uh, oh, I'm a fan of the process. Um, a huge really admirer of what the process involves, but the end result, I, the KFC sweet, I can I can do in the smaller ring gauge. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I but I, I do not like the smokiness no. of the KFC. That's Swamp part. thing's pretty interesting. Uh, Adding that candela aspect helps, but by taking it to Mark Ryan's farm in Louisiana and putting it through that. Dude, this process has been there since the Native Americans. Speaking of, you need to if if you're within striking distance of going down to a Louisiana barn smoker, get your ass to the barn smoker because it's a really interesting thing. You get to see this. You get to see this process of. He's you know when I when I was there, they were actually they opened up one of those barrels, pulled out this Perique tobacco, which was just syrup. Yeah, it was just gnarly to look at. Put it back in, and then they. Slap that railroad jack on and just crank the crap out of it. It is such a unique thing. Mark Ryan's farm in Louisiana is the only place doing this uh, in the world. 
and Drew State found them and is incorporated into this Pappy. We we actually met the Pappy Van Winkle sisters. Yeah, the the twins. Uh, I think his granddaughters. I, th- I believe so. Yes. Uh, at the last barn smoker, they're keeping the tradition and the family name alive. Uh, they're really tight knit with JD and the Drew State crew. They really believe in Drew State and whatever they're doing. So try, Doctor. I'm going to give you one of these. You have not had one. I'm going to give you a Pat Van Winkle uh, cigar. Actually, I maybe did give you one. I think that's always kind one. of interesting, and this is okay. going to be a little uh, side tangent, but it's always kind of interesting to me when you look at brands. When you look at a, you know, the huge brand that Drew Estate is, and then when you look at the mega brand that Pappy is. Sure. And then, you know. <clears throat> A lot of times when you see the faces of these brands, you think they're all personality. You think they're all, you know, shtick and just brand builders, and that's it. But I really enjoyed listening to Jonathan talk to the Pappy Twins and how business it was. And it was just really kind of cool how they would talk about strategy, how they would talk about, you know, just building the building both of their collaboration together. It was really, really kind of interesting. And that's the reason why you should go to these barn smokers because you get to I mean you're you're right next to this happening. Sure. It's really cool. And, and the and the the Pavin Winkle twins were very approachable. People were taking pictures with them. Uh they've been working with Jonathan now for years to develop this you know, something that was worthy of putting the Pappy Van Winkle name on it. Um, get your ass to the Louisiana Barn Smoker next year because it's it's they're all different and they're all unique. But that one's really special in that aspect. Yeah. In that no one in the entire world is doing what Mark Ryan is doing at that farm in Louisiana. Not to mention you'll get to hang out with Mark Ryan. And, and Mark Ryan one funny is. Mother- dude, I he, love that dude. He is uh, just. Jonathan referred to him, uh, JD referred to him in The Last Barn Smoker as the thing that should not be. And if you meet Mark, that's true because he's so unique. And it's like, how did you, how do you exist and how did we find you and how does all this work? I am thankful we found you. I'm just glad he's there. My life is better knowing that you're in the world. He's awesome. Uh, So... Doctor, I'm going to give you one. We'll get your opinion next time you're on the show. Sounds good. They're uh, a really unique, fun cigar. Uh, the beer isn't killing the cigar for me. It's not doing it any favors, but I'm having to give them a little bit of space. Space, yeah. yeah. That's probably more accurate than what, I, what uh, I said. But I am still getting some really nice earthiness and mineral off the off the cigar. It's got it's a great construction. Really good cigar. I love it. I, I'm uh, I'm. Uh, I'm not biased, or I am biased, maybe. No, I'm not biased, because it's just a good cigar. Every time we revisit it, it's consistent. The flavors remain, uh, you know, consistent to what I we experienced I hope Arnold last keeps time. kicking out movies, because I want to... You want to keep smoking <laughs> Exactly. Uh, absolutely. Well, speaking of Arnold, we do have a film to talk about. Yax, can I get you another elephant? Please. I love the doctor's nasally terminated. And again, folks, you'll have to excuse me. I'm this time of year I'm just with kids. I'm I'm just coughing and I just it's about a two month ordeal I go through. Tonight's film, Terminator Dark Fate, twenty nineteen. Written by David S. Goyer, Justin Rhodes, and Billy Ray. 
Yeah, she might hit it to Google to see if that's Billy Ray Cyrus. I'm guessing it's not. I hope not. I'm hoping need, it's we, a Billy we, Ray that's... We need to clarify. Non-Cyrus. And, of course, the screenplay was overseen by the one and only father time travel himself, James Cameron. I was about to say, you might need to put his name in that written category because he said that he rewrote a lot of it. He, for the first time since T2, had his hands in the batter for this whole film. From pre-production to post-production, he considers this the only worthy sequel of the first two films. I And I'll honestly say it later on, it does show. I did something I rarely do. I wrote, I read a little something on this. Oh, you, ne- you never put any effort into the show. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> anyway... Uh, but I did read an article where it was it was, a, it was an interview with him, and he was like, "Yeah, there was so much attention on effects and so much attention on this that I really kind of behind the scenes just started playing with the script." And I mean, it's like you know, the day before a shoot, I'm rewriting it. So he had a, he had a lot to do on this script. I'm like the if you guys remember, we actually did a similar show where we went and saw Terminator Genesis. We did that one. We went all to the theater together. Remember that? Yeah, yes, that was odd. And uh, Cameron had thrown out a generic kind of. I liked it. It was, it was really, and that was just no Arnold's he, his friend. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, he's never going to shortchange these films because he him and Arnold are like Daniel Marshall. He's in the he's in the circle. Um, but definitely he's got his his fingerprints all over this thing. The film itself is directed by Tim Miller, whose only previous feature film credit as a director is the original Deadpool. Deadpool. Um, but he was extremely well regarded as a visual effects artist prior to yeah. Deadpool, and apparently he stepped away from Deadpool two to make tonight's film, which I did not see Deadpool two. Unlike you guys, I okay. didn't see what all the fuss was about Deadpool 1. So, Oh, I thought it was I, unique and I, fun. I, if you're a fan of the character... Oh my god, it was the most Deadpoolist movie thing I've ever seen. No, it's the only Deadpoolist well, movie I've ever seen. Songs, but yeah. it was perfect Deadpool. Didn't see Part 2 either. Part 2 was okay. It was enough. enough it, it was, was enough more Deadpool. It. Yeah, it was just, more Deadpool. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, just briefly before we begin talking our way through Dark Fate... Uh, can we just take a few minutes and sum up the previous entries in the Terminator franchise? And maybe I have a hunch that going back and just kind of just talking about 3, 4, and 5 will give us some clues as to why James Cameron and company decided to pretend that 3, 4, and 5 never existed, much like last year with Halloween. Uh, they ignored every sequel right. after the original and just went back to that. That's kind of what we've done here tonight. Everything after T2 doesn't exist in this timeline. Doctor, can you start us off? I got a problem. Kind of give us a a brief rundown, and I've asked Yax to step in and help where things get murky. Uh, start with the first Terminator movie. What year did that come out? 81? 84. 84. Be glad to uh, give a little brief synopsis. So, the crap. <laughs> I'm sorry, wait. No, 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 oh. we started the first one. Oh, no, that one was great. Yeah, it was great. In the future... Artificial intelli- a net an artificial intelligence network Skynet becomes self-aware uh-huh. and systematically begins to wipe out the human race. It does. And now let's go back and talk about the movies. It deems. No, no, the human- oh, wait, no, 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 no. What does it do? What does it do? Uh, we learn all this in the backstory. Um, uh-huh. Of course, the movie begins with Arnold's immaculate butt cheeks in the moonlight. Uh, uh, they are immaculate. 
the humans uh, supple yet masculine supple yet masculine like my hands we find out later the tremendous uh, uh, delivery and backstory stone. given by Michael Bean the one and only Michael Bean we learn mm-hmm. that uh, uh, our movie begins in, in 1984 Los Angeles after uh, the battle in the future has been won by the humans they've defeated the machines that caused a nuclear conflagration and almost the end of the world but right before Right before they are finally completely defeated, they send back in time uh, from the year 2027 a Terminator, a cyborg, cybernetic organism, uh, human flesh on the outside, to find and kill the mother of John Connor, the guy who would found the resistance and mm-hmm. ultimately lead them to victory in the future. His mother is Sarah Connor, played by young Linda Hamilton, who is a obviously has no idea about her destiny and is working as a waitress in a restaurant in L.A. True. Uh, but... We also get to see her boobs in that movie. We do see that as well. Uh, and to complete the triumvirate of nakedness, right after the Terminator goes through, the Resistance, the Techcom army, is able to send through Michael Bean uh, Reese. to Reese, Kyle Reese, a human being, right. a, a soldier from the future, to try and... Uh, Defeat the Terminator, if possible. It's not it's not impossible to kill him, but uh, he doesn't know with contemporary weapons, and so that's basically the story. I don't think there's a whole lot that more needs to be By said the end about of the it. Film uh, Sarah basically without Reese's. I mean, he helps her along the way, but Sarah crushes the Terminator in a industrial press in a factory, and seemingly saves her ass, her future son's ass, and. All that. She's on her way to Mexico. On her way to Mexico to lay low with her pregnant baby, Michael being, while he was, hey, if I'm going to time travel, I might as well have some fun. (laughs) Got her pregnant, (laughs) and she's headed to Mexico to lay low for a while. Yes. And that brings us to T2. T2, Judgment Day. That was 91. 91. Yep, seven years later. uh, Arnold's obviously now one of the biggest stars in the world. The the biggest movie star in the world. Um, So you kind of wonder, like, how they're going to do a sequel. Well, it turns out. The story that Reese tells her, they weren't the last two through, Reese and the Terminator. As a failsafe, Skynet sends through a prototype Terminator, the T-1000, played by Robert Patrick, uh, several years into the future as a just-in-case. The first thing fails. (coughs) The good guys, realizing that they're not going to be able to send back a human soldier, they reprogram the 800 model Terminator, played by Arnold, Send him back. To send him back to be a good guy in this one. Uh, and so, therefore, we have... Uh, He's got a computer chip where he can learn. Really classic action sequences. Um, I we, would say one of the most iconic classic action movies of all time. Agreed. Yes, and I would say one of the best sequels of all time. Correct. Probably the perfect sequel. As far as action sequels, yes. It's pretty phenomenal. Uh, you consider early '90s, really. They don't have the technology we have today. The oh my god! The, no, the no, 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 no. That was the that was the birth of CGI. That was that was the the, the quinceañera of C- CGI. But so much was not CGI. So much was practical with the with the the silver. I mean, there, there, it was a perfect mix of digital and practical that we had never seen before. It blew our minds. Right, they, they, and they, it was the ultimate of my youth. The ultimate tentpole summer movie. Yeah. 
Great portrayal by Robert Patrick, too. Uh, Obviously, he doesn't have the physical presence of Arnold. No one does, but he's got that steely-eyed gaze. He's in the super fast shape. They had to go, who can possibly threaten Arnold? They had to go not with a bigger dude. They had to go the opposite direction. And he approached it. Robert Patrick's approach was like he studied cats, jaguars, cheetahs. Every move he made was like it was like a predator cat, and it was a great villain. And they got the what right, the villain. right actor with the right technology, and it was just beautiful. And the stunts really God, to focus dog. on, and, and and we could get bogged down in, in the minutia of all these. And Can we, we just talk about the Harley Davidson he rode? I, I mean, just want to point out when Kate says they got the right actor because it would have been so easy to get somebody that was a younger 30-year-old star in the late 80s or somebody. Sure. Instead, they got this guy that really nobody knew who he was. He'd been in a bunch of B-movie action picks. And he was a little and, wiener. And, and, he, and he delivered wondrously on it. It was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I Agreed. think, I think Agreed. it's underrated what the casting of Robert Patrick brought to that film. Agreed. Um, because and they, But they go into that in so many interviews. Like, their initial instinct is if Arnold's the good guy, you have to have an even bigger... You know, seven foot right, giant right. trainer. No, let's go the opposite direction. Let's go fast and and it works so well. Well, it well, and just in the way that, that you know, because of the fact that you know Arnold's character was a was the machine Terminator, and this one was, if memory serves as they describe it, the mimetic poly alloy. It's the the shape shifting. It is just a blob of this. At the time, you know, you. Basically, you know, nanotechnology. Yeah, but that, was before, that was before, before that was we, even, we exactly. even really knew nanotechnology. And so Cause remember, it, nanotechnology in Genesis was like, oh, cool, scientifically uh, it's applicable, uh, but this was before that. But yeah. but this made sense. I mean, the liquid metal kind of made sense even back then. Well, at the end of... By Mark, the way, I, I love your shirt. I'm going to... Oh, yeah. I, I uh, go in for Spirit it. of Arnold tonight, Yax is wearing his Captain Freedom's workout shirt from The Running Man. Ah. Uh, I've got to find out where to get one. I, I love that thing. Uh, but at the end of T2, they have uh, defeated uh, or they've destroyed all the things from Cyberdyne that could lead to Skynet. They melt them all in lava, including the T-800. He lowers himself down in self-sacrifice. So where's the end of part one? Sarah Connor's going off to, to prepare for this future. They believe that at the end of part two, her and her son, have which we defeated, didn't mention Eddie Furlong, but the less they're the better. They, 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 have, uh, they believe that they might have altered the future. Maybe they prevented Skynet from ever Correct. coming yeah. to be. Part three, James Cameron is not involved. Uh, Jonathan Mastow, I believe, is the director, who actually made a really kick-ass movie called uh, Break Breakdown with Kurt Russell. Oh, yeah. But yeah. it was a much smaller was, film. Yeah. Uh, he also did a really shitty Matthew McConaughey movie, U571. Oh, boy, whoa, 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 that was a good movie. It was a good movie. Okay. Uh, but he, what year did that Rabbit, come out? Rabbit, Terminator 3. Got, Terminator to... 3, Rise of the Machines, 2003. So this is a good 12, 12 years, years later. The later. Long, the longest gap, really, between the movies. Uh, so it's, it's a straight-up sequel, right? So uh, yeah. uh, Sarah Connors has passed away. Car accident. Uh, uh, her son is now played by Nick Stahl. Uh, you remember from Sin City and a lot of other stuff. Um, he uh, he's kind of a drug addict, uh, opioid uh, uh, addict. He's breaking into like vet clinics and taking pain be, pills. Man. And we learn he's now that shit. he's living off the grid. The uh, the the future that we thought was going to happen from the beginning has been 
not prevented, but just delayed. And so the same dynamic of a Terminator coming back to kill and stop the future from happening uh, is back, and a pro- and a protector is back. In the this case, the the we've gone from the 800 model of Arnold, the first one, to the T1000, to now the TX, played by the lovely Kristana Loken. Our first female Terminator. And the 800 model, uh, again, of Arnold, is, is going back as the protector. And uh, to protect uh, John, played by Nick Stahl, and the character is supposed to be his future wife, played by one Claire Danes. Um, and this, this one gets a lot of mixed feedback. Well, it... To me, it was heavily overloaded with inside jokes, bad outside, like just bad jokes. Uh, there was a couple good action sequences, uh-huh. uh, a really good car chase, and then when the when the T-800 came out of that funeral home with the big coffin filled with guns. Well, you overall, know. the only thing I remember about T-3 was the ending was very nihilistic. I liked it. Like the whole thing that the Terminator was there to do was to lock... At the end of the movie was to get John Connor and that and Claire Danes locked down in a United States government bunker nuclear bunker to protect them. and seal it to protect them to protect them and make them procreate. You know, oh, to, to, to well to save them. That's what I got. <laughs> but it. He started like, the you know, slow you, music. You mentioned the jokes that. about it, and they don't and. They just didn't. It didn't feel like they took it seriously. But no, it was yeah. just a very laughable. Because I mean, good like you time. said, literally, you could have just said, "Everyone, so what is this one about?" Well, the Terminator comes back so he can save them to get them in a bunker to. Yeah, but you didn't know that until the very end, and that's what I thought was. I, I, thought, I thought it was ending, actually a, a pretty nice little. I thought twist the ending the was interesting. Yeah. Everything that came before it. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's not shouldn't be a Terminator like. Yeah. $150 million. Yeah, seven-eighths of it sucked, but that last scene was... Well, then, I, you know, I I felt like they got a little lazy because they, they base... Well, especially with the 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 new Terminator, because they basically said, well, we've got a, a metallic endoskeleton, so let's take the, the metal alloy and just put them together. But it's like, well, what are you going to do with Wrap that? Wrap it in a hot chick. Yes. Right, and that's then you're what like, you do with it. You wrap it in a hot chip. But then it's, I just felt like they weren't using that application. I don't know. I, no, I always, when she, I watched she, that movie, I was like, she was just a badass hot chick. Um, I, I felt okay. like they weren't getting enough. Out of no, it. and I think everybody was pretty disappointed. All true diehard Terminator fans, I think, were pretty disappointed by it. So that was it was, was two thousand three. Right. So then we go what six. Can, Six, Six years into the future, 2009 Terminator Salvation, which I directed by McGee. I again believe it's a straight up sequel. Only this time, it's actually taking place in the nuclear apocalypse future. Correct. I'm going to go on record here and anecdote before I back out. My one anecdote: I never saw this movie. I'm ashamed to admit, but I never actually saw this. You didn't miss much. The only thing I know about this movie is that. It is the film that is famous for Christian Bale's meltdown. Uh, oh, good job, Todd. Good job, Todd. You know, you're a nice guy, man. You're a nice guy, Todd, but we're through, all right? You wear the headphones real nice. You wear, the headphones are nice. I don't have a problem with the headphones, <coughs> all right? But we're done. 
But I, yeah, I, I, uh, I never way, actually he was, saw... He was doing that to one of my favorite cinematographers. Probably my favorite cinematographer. By all counts, that cinematographer deserved it. I, I, I've i read several counts. The guy was a dick. I, I never saw... I, I can totally agree with that. Well, I, I can't agree with it because I've never met him. But from what I've read, from what I've listened to him, yeah, I can see it. Uh, yeah. So someone else is going to have to take us through the plot. All I know is I believe yes. it, it is in the future, right? It is totally in the future. Yes. Salvation, six years later. Yes. What the hell is that about? All right. So basically, as he just mentioned, it John takes Connor's in charge. He's doing his thing. They are the the uh, apocalypse. The nuclear apocalypse has happened. Uh-huh. Connor has organized the resistance, uh-huh. and basically, they come across now. In in this instance, as is, we are in the in the future world of Terminators, so we don't really need to see that because they're everywhere. What we're focusing on is the character of played by Sam Worthington, who is a human who was revived, brought out of a, a <coughs> sort of a, a, a deep freeze sleep, cryo sleep, whatever, uh, I could use one into this hellish world, and the resistance finds him, but it turns out he is a Terminator. He is. He thinks he's human. He's the experiment. He's an experimental model mm-hmm. to see if he can truly Sky infiltrate. Experiment. But all of this is wrapped up in the fact that they're the uh, uh, Bale's character of Connor finds Reese, Kyle Reese, and, and his father. His father. father. But he's young. But he's young. Yeah. And their whole thing is they're trying to to fight Skynet. But Reese gets captured, and it's basically a rescue mission. Does he realize that he has to rescue Reese so he can send him back and correct impregnate his mom? It's it's basically one of those where he's like, yeah. you know, it's I have to follow this. It's set something plan. that you don't really want to think about. I have to save you to fuck my mother. Do you think like if he's in one path? You think he shows up like at a night? Crazy. You think he shows up <laughs> in a nighttime card game? Like, you know, that conversation. But no. I, did, I really you know, reach you, motherfucker. He's like, hey, I'm hey. the sore subject. <laughs> I just wanted him to like I'm just do what I was nowhere, told. Just be like, I you know, what just I had to do. Just punch Reese. And what was that for? Fucking my mom. It's you know, not important, him, but you deserved it. You motherfucker. Does it ever get weird like that? It doesn't. Okay. But there, I, I remember there's like a, a a mother a mother computer with Helena Bonham Carter that was like that's supposed to be. <laughs> there was a bunch of nonsense. The, the I must have Skynet, that out. which, like I said, it, they personified Skynet. Basically, the yes. only yes, I don't remember that. Yeah, she she was the personified mother of Skynet. Oh, you can personify me an elephant. The two things I remember about that movie was there were some really cool like motorcycle. Yeah. Yes. Terminator you actually, names. like I said, you're now because you're, you're in the future. You get to see yeah. in this world of Terminators. So you know, in the pre, in the very first installment and and through other ones, you see the robotic Terminators as they the rise up and and do things like that. But this is where you actually see the world of Terminators, and they're all different kinds the 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 tank models, the flying models. But then also there's giant robot like you know. Forty foot oh, tall. Oh yeah, there was like Adat Walker, ro- and then literally robot. like it, it springs out, and there's these Boy, Terminator motorcycles. I think there was some cool imagery, but Salvation the story, gets a, yeah, the story Salvation gets a lot of crap. The story, but I actually think there was a great concept, great imagery. There's some, there's some cool things. The story could support it, uh, but there was also the very controversial scene where John Connor gets into Skynet's 
headquarters into the Terminator factory. And the factory where we see these Arnolds being pumped out. I don't see why this is controversial. And I loved it. They're these CGI young well, it's, Arnolds. It's, 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 it's one it of the first bad. instances it looks, of it, it the de-aging, like the CGI de-aging. I thought it looked okay. It looked like a, a really well done cartoon. I thought it looked okay. No. Well, and okay, you know, like this is always one of the one complaints about the original Terminator was, I mean, obviously a lot of the practical effects, the scene in which the you know Arnold's Terminator is repairing himself, doing all that. Oh no! Very, I, it looks. Yeah. It looks. Yeah. Sure. But this CGI looks a lot like that. It just doesn't mesh well. No, it doesn't. Um, I thought it was okay. But, you know, you've got this CGI young Arnold throwing John Connor around all that. Oh, that part. Yeah, that part had some... Yeah, you can't have that kind of action. Okay. That's always going to look a but bit to weird. Me, the, 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 but the, but the, the standalone first introduction no, Arnold I shot, looked, I thought it looked I fine. I thought it looked totally yeah. like a video I game. I thought it looked fine. No, I thought it looked terrible. That's wrong. Jump ahead another six years. So then is another six years until... 2015. 2015, Terminator Genesis. Where the TNCC boys have some beers and get trip. all happy. And we're going to go to the theater. We, dressed, we, we, we got dressed to the nines. And did, headed, we, did we get popcorn and sodas? We did. We did. We absolutely did. We? did. Okay. Uh, I believe the Axe reserved us some tickets. We went to a nice theater. Okay. Uh, watched the show Actually, together. same theater I watched this one in, in Belton. I believe that Texas. Belton, Texas. this is considered uh, after the first four were were even three and four more or less sequels. This is con- what we have now referred to in the 21st century as kind of a reboot. A reboot. Uh, where it almost seems that 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 it's almost starting off as a remake. We're seeing what happens before Kyle Reese. Uh, and I'm just sorry, but no one's holding a candle to Michael Bean as far as Kyle Reese goes. Uh, oh, this guy Jay was, or Jai Courtney, yeah. what do you say his name? Oh yeah, it was just Dude, fantastic. I, I, same I, guy that played a uh, uh, young, uh, same guy that played young John geez. McClane in the in the last Die Hard movie. Dude, I blocked out Jai Courtney as as Kyle. So he's Reese. gonna get sent back. Oh, the, and the chick from Game of Thrones was in it as Sarah Connor. I, well, that, blo- I blocked the, all this out. Yes. Well, I mean, let's this this is as you should. I'm oh gonna, God, I'm just gonna give you what I what I recall. <laughs> okay. We were all there together. Yeah, no, we suffered through uh, this thing. Uh, so, uh, Reese goes back in time, thinking that he, he's going back to 1984 to protect Sarah Connor. Correct. And we see the uh, played, thugs from the original Terminator recreated. Played by the lovely Amelia Clark. Yeah. Only it turns out that she's not some helpless motor scooter riding Bob's big boy waitress. She's actually been preparing for this for nine years already because somehow a Terminator, <coughs> an 800 model, had been sent back earlier to protect her. Yeah. And then... Pops. The French Pops. were defeated by the Viet Minh at the Battle of Dien Bien Phu, oh. and Robert Oppenheimer created the oatmeal cookie. Oh. And yeah, can we just like just go? I mean, can we can just forget The French were defeated by the Viet Minh at the Battle of Dien Bien Phu. That wasn't in this movie. Yeah. Did Terminators? Did that dude really invent the oatmeal cookie too? No, he invented the nuclear bomb. Oh, okay. Uh. Reading edifies the mind, Tuttle. I don't know if you guys know this. Daniel Marshall actually invented the oatmeal chocolate chip cookie. I believe that. Point being, 
We uh, uh, everything just got so convoluted yeah, there with the multiple timelines. It, it, oh, there was there was John Connor's a bad guy so now. Much crazy to, 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 to forget the whole thing and just go this route that they did with the movie that we're we're getting into Dark Fate was the right decision. I disagree. The only the only notable thing that I enjoyed out of Genesis was they showed the time machine. Yeah, and that was about it. That's true. That was a cool scene. I, 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 I like I like that part. You we know. had to see it at some point. Correct. Uh, and then once again, you know, like, you right. never thought about it. It's like, well, what does a time machine look like? Well, it wasn't just like a little room. It was a giant no, facility. It's, it's a huge thing. It's so, a, yeah. It's a cowboy stadium that took that much energy to send you back. So three of us, I'm assuming you're on board with us, they did the right thing here, ignoring three, three four, four, and five. five. No, no, I loved all those movies. I was no, <laughs> no, no of I hate course it. you have sense. Right. You're saying no. Yes. You wish this movie had acknowledged. If they were smart, they could have said that shit happened because it did. Well, I mean, no, they, James Cameron's on record saying that shit did happen in a different timeline. There, well, but they they could have. I mean, they could have made a little bit of. No, you don't need to acknowledge that in this. Nerds. No, I think I think that they could have. I mean, that, there's a different timeline where I'm called pops. Look, Mark needs to know that. Nonsense. No, they don't have to go. They don't have to go that fucking specific. But they can talk about alternate timelines. They can talk about a multiverse. Marvel has done it countless of times. Because people we're not confused well, enough by this people. Bullshit. People can, well, actually, people and we're going to get into this concept. a little bit with the newest installment. Exactly because. They what? already fucking did it in this movie. They freak. I've, I've got some there's problems some, with some of this stuff that's a, going on. Really I'm just saying that they could get this man an elephant. They no no definitely not an elephant. That's the problem. Uh, they could have they could have this man some whiskey. They could have at least made it sensible and acknowledged some stuff and sit there and said this is just an alternate timeline. That's an alternate timeline that happened. I couldn't disagree with you more. Me too, man. I'm like wipe that slate clean. Just, Those just movies wipe were it clean. shit. Nah, man. They yeah, could, they were. But, he, but just Tut technically is correct. Nobody. But it's no. Nope. It, I would say better. In terms of a coherent storyline, I'm just saying. I'm nope. sorry. Go ahead. In terms of a coherent, you gotta story get rid line, of that shit. You gotta flush it because out. it's already complicated as enough just with this. You can't acknowledge. Sorry, Amelia. If you'd like to get together for some oatmeal cookies sometime, you could. You, you can reach me through the Fuse totally, Cigar Club. You no. could totally acknowledge a multiverse she, without she, having to go into the weeds on the no. other stuff. Oh. and that would have just shown imagination. No. no. A, a, a clear slate wipe lacks well, imagination, it, it, and it lacks. And, and the reason I say this in this newest installment, it does give credence to what he's saying because if you especially think, what you're about to do, hear that, James Cameron, Jason Tuttle of Cedar Park, Texas says this lacked imagination. Not I said the pig. I'll go, reason, yeah, I'll go on. It. Jason Tuttle's looking at me with those Manson lamps. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> it's what you did. <laughs> Listen. There's no greater fan of Halloween's 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 than me and the Doctor. I totally got why they... Well, 8 was a piece of shit. Well, yeah, it's not talk about resurrection. And notice I didn't address the Rob Zombie movies. But I totally got why they did what they did with the Halloween. And like, you know what? After the first one, boom. My God, the second one. Revealing that Laurie is Michael's sister. Introducing all those characters. We've lived with those for 30 years. Why can't you... That's what we're doing. Okay. Hey, quick question. Go on. So, in Halloween, 
Is that a movie based on the premise of sending people through time, altering time, and jacking with a timeline? No, it is. No, it so is. that's why it didn't make sense in that. It one. is based on the presence of an in indestructible human being that can get shot but twenty thousand fucking times about, and keep marching. But it's not talking about science fiction in a timeline. This whole story, this whole concept, is about manipulating time. From yeah. the very first movie yeah. to the very last movie, that's the whole premise yeah. of this and franchise. And James Cameron totally manipulated. Like you know what? All these things happen, and I'm going to forget they did. That was manipulating time. Forget these three movies you saw is manipulating time. Remember those three movies you paid money for and were horribly disappointed in? I'm going to ignore they happened. That's what he did. And that's what he should have done. Because they sucked. Maybe he could have just manipulated my memory so I could forget about it. I'm hey, just saying it makes as sense I've in said, the multiverse. As I've said many times before... Todd is fired up today. It's the, I've, I've said it before. I'll say it again. The one thing that Rob Zombie always said that I agreed with, I didn't go out there and destroy the old movies. If you don't like my movie, you don't have to watch it. The other ones are there for you to watch. And I thought, you're absolutely right, Rob. If we don't want to watch yours, we don't have to watch it. We can go watch these. You can pretend whatever exists. I didn't watch his. And I didn't watch the second one. I actually saw Halloween 2 on my TV, and I clicked, Ooh, I like Halloween 2 clicked on it, it's the fucking zombie one and I was like, right off. I'm gonna say something very unpopular about this whole sort of idea, and then hopefully Cade, the captain and maestro can redirect us. He ain't redirected shit. And you know what? So angry. You're gonna the only only person I know is gonna agree with me on this is a guy sitting right over there. Along with this whole thing, everybody's entitled to their opinion. Everybody can watch the movies they want to watch. Because for this cat right here, and I got a pretty strong idea for that guy right there, Star Wars fucking ended with the Battle of Endor in 1983 with Return of the Jedi. And anything else after that can suck a dick. Not Rogue One. Rogue One's good. Well, that was before the Battle of Endor. Uh, That technically happened before the Battle of Endor. So you are correct. No, I'm not... I'm not going to argue with that. I mean, I enjoyed. We'll get, I enjoyed. We'll the, get to oh, the Star Wars. That's com- a whole can of worms. Like I, I, said. I promise. <laughs> I promise, folks. We will get to the Star Wars comparisons later. Real quick, uh, before we dig into finally tonight's film, I'm glad you good boys caught us up on the series as a whole. Tut the cigar, delivering as unique and yet. Appreciated and familiar experience that Danny Marshall does. So consistent. <coughs> I haven't had a bad one yet. I, I just, it is, if you're a fan of that Nicaraguan flavor, oh, it is so dang good. Uh, it, it is uh, the epitome of, of well aged uh, Nicaraguan tobacco, earthy, mineral. Uh, I am getting a little bit of coffee. Um, I, I think it's fantastic. That. I'm, I'm you surprised you, you guys normally it. like stuff that's a little darker, a little more potency to it. Uh, no, I, I, this is really like there's there's not there's not really any crazy transition of any kind. It's, no, it's really just it's smooth, a straightforward, and, badass. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and I, it's not the fact that I like things with more potency or or more of a nicotine hit or or heavy cigar because I I do appreciate light cigars and that's why I like. Daniels would you refer to this as medium-bodied? Yes, I would. Yeah. And medium-strength. But full-flavored. 
Yeah. This is what a cigar like to me is supposed to be. It is a great afternoon cigar. It's a great morning cigar too. Uh, I, actually, I, I could see having this. I no, I normally don't smoke on the golf course in the morning, oh, but I could yeah. see, I could see having one of these in the morning, not drinking. I'm just saying on a golf course. I could see having one in the afternoon. You're out there in nature's glory. The sprinkler. Oh, it, it's happened. The sprinklers just, are going off. Kenny Loggins is playing in the background. I respect the fact that not everybody likes the. Not, believe it or not, not everybody likes smoke being around them. So I, even even when you're out there in the open air, I, I respect it. I no, I, I I actually kind of agree with that. Uh, even in my backyard, which when I first got there, I have to admit, when I was in my backyard, screw you, I'm in my backyard. Your little girl's playing on the trampoline. Screw you, I'm lighting up. Yeah. Now I'm kind of calm. I'm I'm a little bit aware of it. Granted, when I, I pick just, up the aroma, it's on not the, the course, fact. It's I not always, the fact that I'm like. It's not the fact that I'm like. You know, I just. Some people don't want their kids around I, it. I'm going to respect that. When I pick up but the aroma, but if on I'm the out course, there at night, screw you. Yeah, when I pick up the aroma, I want to like find. I want to. Nighttime's not trampoline time. No. And I agree with you. When when you smell that aroma, like uh, we were uh, fishing in Arkansas, and I was walking down. And a dude had a Honduras cigar. And the Honduras has a unique smell to it as well. And he was out there. I could not fish and, and smoke a cigar at the same time. Uh, it's just a little bit too... I ain't that coordinated. But when I smelt that on the river, I was like, oh, God. I've golf got is made for it because you're driving around in a cart. So get you sons of bitches out on the golf course. We'll light yeah. them up. If, if I played with you, it would take you about four hours to finish, like, three holes. Oh, I thought you were going to say four Four hours is how long an 18-hole round is. No, like, th- that's my three. How you just hit a ball occasionally and sit in the cart and smoke a cigar? Have All right, if you don't mind that, then yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. It's it's a wonderful uh, testament to Nicaraguan tobacco. It's a wonderful testament to aged Nicaraguan tobacco, aged carefully. Uh, construction is great. Uh, that earthiness, that mineral, the just the right amount of pepper on the on the retro hail. Yax, are you with me? I am. You, you had mentioned uh, coffee. I'm getting a little more chocolate. There is some there chocolate in there, so man. Dark chocolate? Dark chocolate. Dark chocolate. Yeah, yeah, I can see this that. This one, surprisingly, is is pretty strong. So, I mean, I'm... Like, you know, normally I don't pick it up that much, but... Well, we've all, we smoked the smaller size. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I think, you know, this one does have a little... The, the bigger ring gauge does give a little more... A little more strength to it, and I like it because Daniel's got the right ideas. The, he calls it the modern day campfire, uh, where you know people just of all walks. You get a campfire around, people are going to hover around it. They're going to talk. This is a cigar I would give if if I'm sitting on the deck, uh, entertaining, which I never do. But if I did, and we had dinner, a big uh, steak and lobster dinner that I prepared at my house, which Ooh. I would never do, and we. Chicken Alfredo. We went out in the back deck, and I'm like, what am I going to give these non-cigar smokers to welcome their senses and introduce them to the world of after-dinner cigars? I would not hesitate for a minute to light up a Daniel Marshall. I really wouldn't. And not only with beginners, seasoned cigar smokers. It's just a great smoke. So uh, we'll get back to that. Uh, Can I talk about tonight's movie? And the beer is... Yeah. Yeah. It's beer. it's beer. It's solid. It's beer. I mean, I don't mind it. They're not American, so I don't like I, it. I don't. I don't mind it. 
But uh, it's just beer. It's just beer. <laughs> I'm going to skip over what Tut just said. Tonight's film starts things off with a dream sequence of the potential future that was not to be. Terminator endoskeletons emerging from the ocean, stepping on a beach covered in human bones, shooting their face plasma rifles in all directions. That was a pretty cool scene. Though. It's a cool, really cool scene. But, now keep in mind, we watched this in the theater, so I couldn't go back and kind of... I believe Sarah tells us as we're watching this in a voiceover... <clears throat> This was all what was avoided by her Correct. and John defeating in the T-800, successfully yeah. defeating Skynet at the end of Terminator 2. Yes. I liked but that opening beach sequence with those endoskeletons coming out of the water and stepping on the bones, and I thought, I'm a doctor. pretty cool. Visually, it was a really cool scene. It was. A little video gamey, but it was... The was, the actual endoskeletons, I thought, were a little CGI fakey. I loved yeah, the skull in the beach. The skull with the waves coming through it yes. was no, that, immaculate. That, that was really artistic. That was great. Once done. we see nope. the robots and see them getting blown to pieces, it was a little video gamey. Yeah. But it was cool. Well, I was... This one scene, especially because I figured, like, okay, so they're doing this again. I was expecting to see that classic scene... Where the Terminator steps on the skull. They didn't do it. But they didn't do it. And I was like, oh! I'm kind of glad that they didn't because... For a movie full of many homages and tributes, it was weird they didn't do it. I just figured that would be... It is classic. I mean, that was a great... Yeah, that kind of tripod foot just slammed down Yeah, but to me, that's like... that, That... if you remake that, you're screaming, ooh, look, you love the first one. Don't you love this one now? But they do do that a lot in this movie. I know. I know. Uh, but they did not do it there. You're right. So, you're right. I have then a lot of then we cut to an actual beach with sunshine and clouds and everything's fine, where we see a slightly aged John Connor, Eddie Furlong. He's now a teenager. Looks good. Well, he didn't look aged at all to me. He looked the same he, he did. No, he looked a little bit older I to thought me. He, I thought Slightly. it was the same guy. Flirting yeah. with a, he's flirting with a girl at the bar. I thought he did a great job on this. And his mom, Sarah, is watching him, and she looks a little bit older than in T2. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he gets killed by another T-800 who looks a lot like 1991 Arnold. Day. Yeah. Uh, right in front of Sarah, it pulls out a shotgun and just shoots John dead. Um, you see, Sarah saved three billion people back in 1991, but she couldn't save her own son. And now he's been killed to avoid leading a resistance that would have never been formed anyway because humanity had won. That sucks. This Terminator... Let me, let me follow this. Apparently, when the T-1000 model came back to kill John and T-2, Skynet sent a bunch of T-800 Arnold Terminators, who all looked just like Arnold, back as well, scattered across the country, as sort of a contingency plan. And one of those finally caught up with them at this beach bar and killed John, even though they'd already won and there's nothing to stop because the future has already been stopped. I kind of appreciate the irony on this. There is a lot of irony here. Uh, This scene, while shocking as hell to see John Connor, the leader of the future resistance and a character we loved in T2, get blasted by a shotgun, with the Terminator then dropping the shotgun and calmly walking away as Sarah screams in horror. Mission's over. It was a way for the filmmakers to wipe the slate clean and start fresh. 
and quite obviously just shocked the hell out of the audience going into this movie. Uh, I liked it, although I felt it was a bit rushed. It was a very fast scene. But I imagine that was due to them not wanting to push the digital aging of Sarah and John. Because even that looked a little video gamey to me. And it's like, if you made that scene longer with like her and John talking, or her and John having moments, or that, I think we would have, like, oh, that's they clearly aged her a little bit, and they... I thought they got in and out quick to avoid us like really yeah, well, digging I, into that scene. I like, like I like the, the, techni- the, the technical aspect. Like, boom! John Connor's dead just like that. You know, and we didn't have time to pick it apart. Cu- on cu- how a it couple looked. of minutes to to bring you up to speed on where you are right now before the relevant parts of this movie start. I thought it was ballsy to kill John Connor in the first five minutes of the film, and I thought just watching it that quick of a scene. I thought they did a really good job with making Sarah Connor recreating her age, you know, just a couple of years after T2 and him. Like I said, if they'd done a lot more, I probably would have picked it apart a lot more. But I thought it looked pretty good. It did. Everybody no, I, looks. Everybody looks good in it. I thought it was. A, I thought it was a pretty powerful little yeah. quick scene, and I, I was okay with. it. At this point, I'm like, okay, and it shot me. I'm like. Because I'd heard Eddie Furlong was going to be back in this one, and how's that? Boom, he's dead. Okay, you got me. I'm I'm, I'm watching. We then uh, go to present-day Mexico, where a rebel soldier named Grace played, it be interesting to see what you guys agree with me, wonderfully by Mackenzie Davis. Amen. Loved her. And the Rev-9 Terminator, portrayed just okay by Gabriel Luna... Drops from the sky in Mexico City in the all-too-familiar, brightly lit, circular orbs sent from the future. Just like we've seen before. These big circles of light and electricity drop down. Well, they they changed it up a little bit this time. More with the the concepts. As you see, like, as the... the, the, They don't cut things in half. the, The time spheres come in. It All the energy around them gets sucked out. Everything freezes. Stops working, correct. Every, all so. the, yes, correct. Everything freezes up. Well, Grace is there to protect a young Hispanic woman named Danny, and the new Terminator, uh, the Rev-9, is there to kill her. So considering that Skynet and Cyberdyne systems don't exist in this world because Sarah and John stopped them, the methods of time travel, they're both naked when they come back in the world, the big balls of light... Well, I mean, you would still have somewhat the of a similar robot physics. robot tut sent back to kill a future resistance leader. That sure seems a lot familiar for a completely different timeline. Yeah, but I mean, physics is still going to be physics. No, not physics. The fact that this future timeline that doesn't involve Skynet or Cyberdyne uses the same time travel... we got to go back and kill the resistance leader. Dude, you need leader. to study up on multiverse more. Well, and this is what we were talking about. This, this is why is, you wanted those other movies to be acknowledged? Somewhat, yes. I'm just saying okay. that you could have easily the, done it. What are the odds that this... Because in the future it's called the Legion, the master computer that's sure. attacked humanity. What are the odds that Legion would can, would create time travel orbs that look just like the Cyberdyne orbs? Well, Pretty gotta, damn good. you, you got to think about it as the, as the original timeline with John Connor. This one is 
like right next to it, but slightly off. Choices are made that are very similar. Boy understands multiverse. So it follows. Yeah, but that's not this movie. No. This movie doesn't involve well, this the multiverse. That's exactly what this movie is trying this to do. A, this isn't about. Oh, so you've got your you've got your timeline here. This isn't about it being like wildly different. It's slightly different. Some choices were made. Some choices weren't. But you basically have the same concept in which AI becomes self-aware, instantly makes a decision if I want if I'm going to survive. And then AI handles its business the exact same way another non-existent AI would have done. Then, but you have who is in the future? Who is the leader of the resistance? Who is okay? You're slight. It's the same thing. But don't get me wrong. As you deviate. You would get something farther and you get farther far from more this timeline. Okay. But this is literally like one or two choices. I'm not going to fight you guys on this. I'm not. He's already giving me a stink eye on that. I'm not, I'm Do not you know you how anymore. many comic books I've read? <laughs> Do you know who his brother is? <laughs> well, they're here to. Pre- well, look, the one they're here to protect and kill is Danny. Danielle. Danielle Ramos. And she's going to be such a powerful leader 20 years from now after the nuclear apocalypse. And we know how powerful leader she's going to be by seeing the way she takes charge of her family's breakfast. She picks up tamales for her dad and her brother. She makes that decision like he wants this kind of tamale. This kind of breakfast sandwich. If Rome wasn't built in a day, you got to start somewhere. And exactly. She, she I mean, even confronts her boss at the automotive plant, who's planning on replacing her brother with an automated machine. He already did. The Linda was, was working as a fucking bellhop or in like some little restaurant. It wasn't. And not. She's not like the freaking mercenary that she is How now. How do we show that Danny's a leader? Let's show her making that choice with tamales and breakfast sandwiches. Oh, dude, you're like way hard on this. I thought it was a really good angle here, the gradual replacement of human workers with robots, a la Amazon and the like, that they didn't... Message! That they didn't... No, I thought they didn't explore it hard enough. Because I think, in today's world, that is much more terrifying to the average moviegoer being replaced by a robot in a warehouse than than nuclear war. I thought it was a good way to introduce that this... To introduce how the progression happens to where it's not like just one day you wake up, Skynet, uh, I'm, uh, excuse me, Legion is sitting there controlling our lives. It's a gradual process that happens. I thought to it was handled in one sentence. I thought it was You're fine. You're going to replace this with robots? And that was it. I thought it was fine. Okay. Yeah. So after a big fight at the automotive plant. Kind of like how I thought you could acknowledge the multiverse of the other three movies just in one sentence. No, you, you, you've said that before. Yeah. Uh. After a big fight at the automotive plant where the Rev-9 shows up to kill Danny... Yeah, this elephant's a little more combative than the old golden monkey. Oh, you know what? Oh, we're going to get into Maybe this. I should have some more elephants. We're going to get into this. Time. Please do. No. Uh, only to be stopped by Grace. She's an enhanced human. Uh, she's made stronger and faster by science, but she's not, a, she's not an android. Love that. Love the whole Whoa. element of that character. Uh, that that is an augmented human. Loved her. Don't normally like the tall ladies or ones with short hair, but man, I'm smitten with her. I thought she did a great performance, and and she too. was awesome. She is the standout too. star of this movie. Absolutely, she's great. Uh, Mackenzie, if you like to get together for some oatmeal cookies sometime, 
I'm not going to say standout because I liked a lot of the performances that I saw, uh, but she did really, really good. She did. Uh, and Cade and I are seeing eye to eye. I go standout on her. On, on Luna. I like Luna uh, more notably of recent. He was the ghost rider in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I thought that's where I saw him. Yes. Actually, I had no I didn't have clue a problem with him. I, I just thought Mackenzie Davis kicked that kicked ass. I she thought did. she was just. She did. I thought she kicked ass better than anybody I, else. I'm gonna get into my. Well, my, I I really thought they would have. I wanted them to to really think because she kept. I'm just an augmented human. No, you're a cyborg. Well, you're the opposite of the. We the get to just how T-800s. augmented she. We get to how just how augmented she is later. Right. I don't even think she knows how augmented she is. Because I mean, it, I mean, you know that you see throughout the movie they don't really ever discuss it, but she's got scars all over her where they literally just opened her up and put in the machine. Well, and I'm going to get into why I, I I'm, I'm not a big fan of Gabriel Luna's performance, which is not entirely his fault. If I the movie was just about her, okay, just about her the way she performed and and everything she brought, yeah. if it was just about her. I would have been happy. She's great. I agree. Well, they fight it out in the automotive plant. There's a cool enough car chase through town, which is impressive, I guess, but still pales in comparison to the T-1000's tow truck chasing the motorcycle in T2. I mean, you can't beat that. And I think, like, in li- this is kind of one of the cool things is I think within, like, a v- ten minutes of these, all these action sequences, they go through going back to those things, you know, the you're in a factory... You've got car chases, but it's not just. Whereas in uh, you know first Terminator, he's in a semi, and the other one he's in a, in a in a another semi and then dump truck. But it's just not nearly as impressive because it's all fake. It's all green screen. Well, yes, but I mean they quickly go through that. In other words, they say like, well, what are you going to do the same? Well, here's it is what a very fast movie. Movie. It's a, I mean, it's a good action sequence. I mean, you're, no, I, I, you can't compare the two. No, it's, like I said, it, it's just fine, but it's not T two yeah, level. It's, it's, not, it's not even fair to really compare it. It's, uh, it's a good. I kind of agree. Sequence. Yeah, it's not a fair to. Compare and just then, it. when the Reb Nine sheds his Terminator skin to help him, here's the deal with the Reb Nine. He can shed his skin and create a separate Terminator. Android, who's just the endoskeleton, just the the robot, to help him. Right. So, like when he's driving the tow truck, he can shed that to where the android all of a sudden is driving the tow truck, and he can go out in human form and do some stuff. That's okay. That's kind of cool. It would have been better if they had to do like a Wonder Twins thing, like exoskeleton activate, <laughs> bucket of ice cubes. That's all they could do is the weak ass shit like that. Um. Form of bathwater, <laughs> but they they corner Grace and Danny on a bridge, and right as uh, the Rev Nine's about to kill him, Sarah fucking Connor shows up out of nowhere and blows the Rev Nine and his endoskeleton friend twin away momentarily with a mortar over her shoulder. Pulls out the automatic <laughs> shotgun and just blows. Well, she blows away, and then she pulls out that mortar and blows him off the bridge. Uh, what the hell kind of what? What the hell kind of gun was that? You called it an automatic shot. It was. It almost looked like something that would be on the bottom of a, of a plane. It was like, like a combat shotgun. Well, was like, it was. It was a automatic, fully automatic shotgun. Basically, it's like a 
You think of like a AK-47, but this one shoots shotgun, shotgun shells. shells. It's what Yak awesome. takes bear hunting or when he camps in the woods. <laughs> squirrels. I, squirrels. Yeah, I squirrel yeah, hunting. That's what, squirrels. Those things are vicious, by the way. Yak kills houseflies is one of those. <laughs> As Arnold said later on in the movie, this is Texas. I did dig the aspect of the Rev-9 as far as duplicate himself and... But the actual digital effects of him with the black kind of stuff. Well, I like the matte black. It, yeah. Well, the matte black like endoskeleton. And how, once again, they said how it, his transformation occurs and all that stuff. Yeah. I felt like I'd seen it before in a movie or two movies that I'd seen before that I can't even remember. And that's yeah. not a glowing endorsement. It was just CGI. To me, it was just weird. The, to me, it was just an extension of the other Terminators, and I don't. I'm not. You, to me, I don't. I don't demand something different every time I see a Terminator movie. I in do. fact, in fact, I'm just I, like, just I give do. me a good story. Well, yes, I don't have to I see do. like that's a new I mean. T1000 Terminator. was so different and so memorable. James Cameron's involved in this one. I want something memorable. Yeah. I don't want something like. Just yeah, give me a good I've story. Kinda, I've kind of seen something like that in a sci-fi movie, like. This well, that's why I said, this, just give me a good story, man. Well, you can have a T-800, just nothing but T-800s, and if it's a good story, I'm there. Well, absolutely, but I agree with, with Cade. Like Terminator 3, when they basically combined the endoskeleton and that together, well, this one now, they basically said, well, we'll have that, but they'll separate. I'm fine with it's it. It's like a one step off, but I was like, where, what... And I was like, okay, wow so... Wow me. Amaze me. Make me watch the screen and be like, how the fuck did they do that? Maybe they just can't... Is that can't, too much but, to ask? Uh, it might be, and they can't really do it anymore. Is you it know, too maybe much to ask to wow me and like ask me to, like, how'd you do that? Is, that, is that too but much maybe, to maybe, ask? Maybe they can't do it anymore. I mean, it's just... It's not been there, done not that a, with us. Yeah, what are you not, at, do? Our, like, not I, at our experience I, level. I can see him We're, sitting there thinking, like, well, what are we going to do? Okay... It's going to be very T-1000-esque in that you shoot it, and it, it kind of stops for a second, and it, it liquefies back into form. Well, that's just like T-1000. What are you going to do to make it different? Uh, Face it, guys. Uh, I don't know. Let's have it split into two. I mean, Face it, guys. At our, at our age and our experience levels, we've watched movies more than your average human being. We've seen just about everything. You're not going to be able to surprise us too on much a, on to a ask basis. from a hundred and seventy-five million-dollar movie with James Cameron's producer to wow me. That's well, we, too much to ask. Yeah, but that eighteen-year-old that's sitting there in that theater, he probably hasn't seen it, and he's probably no, wow. I'm not saying a video game. I'm not saying I like it any more than you. I'm just like, what would you have done differently? Given wings, I'm not getting paid one hundred seventy-five million bucks to come no, up I'm with not, an idea. I'm, I'm just saying, what what. What do you, I mean? Actually, earlier in the podcast, you said if you're going to criticize, you're going to, you better be able to come up with something different. Stop. I said, who are you talking to? You're looking up at the ceiling. That's, that's what you said. Me? Me or him? That's what you said. You're looking at him. Oh, I'm just saying. I'm I'm like okay. Oh, what, I'm what else can we do? Here. I'm agreeing with Mincy. I because honestly, the split in two. It's not my job of, to think of what you would I, do. I'm not, I, no, no, I'm not saying it's you guys. I'm saying. <laughs> As a viewer, I paid. You paid. 30, Look at what you did to my movie. You paid thirty-five bucks to see this in the theater. Wow me, amaze me, take me back to T two where I'm like, how did you do this? Dude, you cannot. You're saying that you cannot live up to T two. You're saying I just said that T two is probably what? the perfect sequel. Okay. You cannot live up to T two. Then why make this movie? Because it's a cash grab. 
Obviously yeah, not. It's made no cash. But but that was the, well, they that thought was the plan. it was going to be a cash. Why make grab? any movie? That was the plan. I'm just saying, if you if you if you don't have that ace in the hole, like here's where we're gonna get him with this this Terminator. Don't make the movie. No, they they got you once you paid for the ticket. Well, true, but <laughs> in terms of the Terminator, I always look for what's that next thing. Yes. Because when because when the yes. original Terminator. Arnold, and when you know that when you had eventually at the end of the movie when you had that reveal as the fire burns away all the flesh <coughs> and the 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 robotic skeleton yeah, gets it was, up it was out revolutionary. Of it, you're like, holy shit! It was rev- it was Harry. And ha- then when you had Patrick and you actually see the liquid metal transform and him split into a mix of beautiful practical effects and. Okay, so what are you going to do this time? Oh, it's just like every sci-fi movie. Black ooze and... Alright, they're out of ideas. They're out of ideas what to do with the Terminator. What I wanted to actually see was because they had the the endoskeleton, they had the liquid Terminator. I wanted to see the metallic one actually, like, you know, transform a little bit and literally just fire, like, liquid bullets. They're out of ideas. Make his own bullets. He literally fires the liquid bullets and they like return. Hey, science! Give this guy a million dollars. You know those guitars that are like double guitars. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, after this battle on the bridge, Sarah blows the Rev Nine and his robot doppelganger over the side, so Grace and them can escape. Grace is barely hanging in there. Due to her augmented enhanced power, she requires a bunch of pharmaceuticals to keep her functioning, Cade style. Anti-convulsants, hardcore sodium supplements, essentially a big-time drug cocktail every like few hours or else she's, she's done. So she and Danny rob a Mexican pharmacy, and luckily, as Danny's dragging Grace out, they bump into Sarah. Well, no, they stole her vehicle, and so Sarah was tracking her down. As a big thank you for saving us from the Terminator, they stole her truck, and somehow she found them in Mexico City at this pharmacy. Well, I kind of like Grace here, because Grace has got one thing, only one thing. Protect this girl. She doesn't have any friends. Whoever that little weirdo who came in there and saved their life with the combat shotgun and the and the shoulder-fired uh, rocket, screw that chick. It's I'm an, taking her vehicle. It is an, I'm getting the hell out of it Dodge. It is an interesting thing if you're just looking at T1 and T2. Sarah took so much convincing to believe this time travel story and the thing of Terminators. Danny takes none of that. She doesn't have to. She saw the Rev-9 in the automotive plant. She doesn't have yeah. She saw him develop weapons. I, I had no problem with that. I had no problem she, with that. She either. saw him doing insane stuff. She saw Grace get sent 30 feet in the air and come back... She, she buys it immediately. All she saw I was not have a all, all Sarah that. saw was Arnold punch his hand through a window, and you got Lance Hendrickson he, he probably did. on PCP. He's probably on PCP. Remember, I saw this guy once. Uh, method. He's a method. He's probably on PCP. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I had no problem with they. They were like, you know what? Let's rush up Danny accepting what's going on. I I did not have a problem. She's with exposed that. to a lot more than Sarah was. Correct. Uh, it's not Arnold getting blasted and two, getting Two guys up. that could have very well been cranked up on drugs shooting at one another is what Sarah gets. This guy was developing swords out of his arms and he killed half a Chevy plant in Mexico. Like, I get it. 
well, all three ladies then shack up in a hotel and get to know each other. While Grace, Whoa. oh no, no, not that <laughs> oh. movie, not that movie, uh, Doctor. While Grace, Rise of the Machines. Well, Grace recovers in a bed of ice cubes. They've shot her up with drugs and they've covered her with ice to to cool down. But Typ- while she's, typical Saturday night, while she's laying in bed, Grace dreams about her combat days, yes. her memories. HKs flying around, Terminators with Doctor Octopus arms. Uh, that one was killing people, was like, slaying freedom that? fighters right and left. Question. This is a different timeline than Cyberdyne and Skynet. Correct. Why, when the soldiers look up in the sky and see those flying machines, do they call them hunter killers? Hunter killers were in Cyberdyne. I know, but like I said, this is a same timeline that is just slight. It's a variation. So you get the same, a lot of the same things, mm-hmm. but certain things have changed. I'm just not feeling you guys on that. If this is a if yeah, you, I mean, if we to say all you're, the, you're, if you're the degree, little whole genre of science fiction away. that has gone before and lives this, besides this, fuck that shit. I, well, no, I no. The key point if in this Skynet is that and Cyberdyne never existed, AI. and Legion is the new bad guy. Why would Legion call its sky killers hunter killers the same that's that because. What you've got is variation. What happens here is that AI will arise to awareness. It will make the decision to say, humanity is my ultimate enemy, and I will kill them. Agreed. So therefore, you're you're but a few degrees off the other one. Certain differences... The exact same names for their flying killers? Right. A friend of mine so had a words, funny name for it once. Called it a fur burger. They should have called them fur burgers. I, I don't know if I could have taken that as a serious thing. Look at those fur burgers in the sky. Where? Look out, FBs! <laughs> <laughs> FBs coming down all around us. FBs incoming! I, I mean, will, I, would think I woke there would up be a, and my face was smothered by an FB. You lot of guys looking up in the sky. Oh, damn it! You gotta come up with a better name. Okay, uh, it makes sense to you and Tut. It's 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 doctor. You're like me. They would never be named the same things. I, yes, they I, would call I, them killer hunters. It was a it the was, whole multiverse thing, man. I'm sorry. I, I love you guys and I respect you both, but I just I, the whole that. I, well, I, I thought that was all out the window, but apparently not. Slight. It is the same. We're going to ignore three, four, and five, but you still have to respect it and count it in this timeline. No, you. You either count it in there or you don't. Well, I'm not even going to get started when I tell you that both features are existing simultaneously and will continue to send things back to the same origin point. (laughs) So that both John Connor and Daniel Ramos will be fighting at the same time, but from different features. How about I talk about something I understand? The cigar. Uh, it was Theodore Roosevelt who invented the oatmeal cookie. I think he, I think he's right. Uh, final thoughts on the cigar. Uh, consistent as expected. It's a beautiful smoking cigar. A beautiful presentation of well-aged Nicaraguan tobacco. Uh, earthiness, mineral, uh, just the right amount of pepper on the nose. Um, I have never had a bad experience with the Daniel Marshall. I don't. Uh, do you guys want to talk price point? 
Yes. Let's do yes. it. Because I don't think I can. I don't think I can uh, speak as eloquently as you guys just did about it. That's everything I would have said. Thirteen. Well, I have a feeling this is only the movie talks only going to get uglier as we go along. It's getting so. pretty nasty. It's getting pretty. It's getting it pretty contentious it in is. the corner. No hope. Break a elephant. I'd be like Jim Lampley at a boxing match. It's getting pretty contentious here in the corner of No Hope. Oh my God! I can't believe the y'all heat gonna, I'm getting. Y'all going to laugh when I flip this table over? Price point type. Thirteen five. 13-5 for the Arnold Schwarzenegger favorite Churchill Daniel Marshall. 14-5. 14-5. No. Do I hear 15? Do it's I hear 16? A, it's a Churchill, so. It is a Churchill. Ah, oh, this is a tough one. All right, I go 15. 14-5, 15. Man, I think you guys might have some insight, maybe, that I no, don't have. No, no insight. Actually, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't. You know, it's one of those cigars that I gladly would pay that amount of money for. I'd pay fourteen five fifteen. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna guess that because of the Daniel Marshall name and the Arnold affiliation, his that name maybe, does have a little. Panache. Maybe you pay a little more. He's got a panache. To I'm gonna name. go ahead and guess seventeen. Ooh. He's gonna go six fifty. He's gonna go eleven. Cade uh, can't guess. He knows the price. That's the joke. I'm gonna go nine fifty. Nine fifty. Really? Daniel Marshall's not gonna charge you more than what it costs to make this beautiful smoke. This costs nine dollars and fifty cents. He wants you to fill up his humidor. Nine fifty. I just keep seeing that golden wrap cigar. That's a different animal. This is a nine fifty cigar. Good God! This is a steal. Can you give something a 100 in price value? You absolutely can. I would pay 950 for this cigar any day of the any week. Any day and every day. 950, boys. Buy them up. Uh, for, the, for the length of this cigar, for as good as it was, for the time it's taken to... Th- this is a $15 cigar. I am going to talk to my friend Ian at Smoker's Abbey in Cedar Park, Why Texas. Why doesn't he have Daniel Marshall? He's all about I don't know. small batch. I really don't and, know. And, and, and nine fifty, my God, man! Yeah, yeah he, he's very he's a, a he's a proponent of boutique and small batch. So I will ask him about that because I, man, if he puts this in the humidor, it's going to be hard for me to shake off of it. Christ, yeah. I paid seventeen bucks for one of those Davidoff Silver Label ones. That my goodness, is the, that outstanding value? That's going to be the last thing I win here tonight. Probably. We learned that Sarah has, uh, as they're in the hotel, has spent the subsequent years since John's assassination eating potato chips and getting blackout drunk. Although, unlike... NCC style. Oh, yeah. What else are you going to do? <laughs> Although, unlike Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween, we never actually see her get blackout drunk or take a drink. Yeah. That is true. I would have liked to see... I kind of would have liked to see that, too. If you spent a decade getting blackout drunk, you're going to get the shakes. You're going to want to... Show me. Show me. When she comes back with a bag of food, there's going to be a Jack Daniels bottle sticking out. She ate the chips. This is the most unrealistic thing in the movie to us. Forget the multi-burst, the multi-time. I'm sorry, you're a blackout drunk and you're not even shaking. Look who you're talking to here. You're talking to the TNCC, bitch. I'm sorry. Jamie Lee Curtis showed it in Halloween. We see her downing bottles. We see her downing wine. We see her going full-blown alky. 
didn't see it I here. figured she would like at least have. And that's a not on Linda Hamilton. That's on that's, screenwriting. Yeah. She's got that shotgun. She would have been walking out of that jeep with a six pack bandolier. <laughs> she's like, got a bandolier <laughs> of the the airport beers. Bombay gin. And she's just blasting Doctor that She's <laughs> She doesn't even need to know where she's aiming. She's just drinking it. Dude, we don't see her take a sip, which is bullshit. I would have liked to seen that. That's and good, she knew how call. to find Danny and Grace because she gets random texts alerting her ahead of time when an entity from the future is about to appear in one of those giant light orbs. That's going to need some oh. sort of explanation, eh? The texts, <laughs> the texts are all signed off with, for John. Keep that in mind. And get this. It turns out the address of where she gets these mystery texts from is the same address tattooed on Grace's rib cage detailing the... How could this happen but with multiple times? Detailing the exact coordinates of a safe house for her to go to if she's ever in trouble on her mission. Yes, I'll say that again. I just like Mackenzie pulling up that shirt showing us that taut tummy. What is this in Jamal timelines? I did like her. I liked her a lot. Because the Terminator still exists. Yes. If we know anything about time travel, if you wipe out a timeline... Do we know anything about time travel? We do. We know lots. If you wipe out a timeline, the things of that timeline... Would erase. You step on a butterfly, it's going to... It's like Marty McFly. Okay. The T-800s would cease to exist if they had destroyed the timeline. But the... Her premise... But the T-800... The the T-800s that were... These T eight hundred timeline would have still existed. These no, T eight hundreds came during the T two timeline. If they stopped the timeline, if they stopped those actions from occurring, Skynet would not arise. No, 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 no. T eight hundreds would not exist. No, no, no. You're off base. When Skynet sent the T one thousand back to kill John, it sent a handful of T-800s back at the same time. This same timeline, it sent a bunch of T-800s back. Oh, no, I get it. Contingency plan to do it. That's uh, this same timeline. I get it. What Cody's saying is... Like Back to the Future. Uh, I don't like to think. No, I don't. I don't. I don't like it either. Really I don't like it either. I don't like it at all. Because no, I'm with no, you. There's two competing theories Shut of up. time travel. I'm, Shut up. I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you. I don't like it at all. What are you? What he's saying is like Back to the Future. It's like in Back to the Future when Marty, Mc, the picture and Marty McFly's sister starts to disappear. I understand that. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm like, oh, it doesn't matter because. They sent them all back at the same time. Right. Right. They sent them all back, and so they just placed them at different intervals. I'm with you. What Not they're different intervals, different locations around different the United locations, States. Different locations. Different locations. Sent them back at the same time. Okay. They sent. I'm, I'm with you, buddy. I'm with you. Okay. I don't like it, but what they're saying, they sent them back to these different points throughout time. But what they're saying is, once that that future's been eliminated, so now it'd be like Marty McFly's sister starts disappearing from the picture. In Flash, it'd be called a remnant. But I, I dude, I'm, I'm with you, buddy. I'm with you. When they I don't kill, like when it. they kill the T1000, and I don't need it. I the don't, fact I don't want those, it, I don't need it. I don't like it. When they kill the T1000, those T800s that are around the United States don't know that the T1000 died or that the future that no longer exists because it still exists. No, it doesn't. It does. They killed. They stopped it. Correct. But because these T-800s don't know that. The T-800 who killed John didn't know he was killing 
a savior for a future that didn't need a savior. That is true, according to this timeline. According to according she even to says that universe. make it all she go, even says make that. it all go he, away. He killed a hero of a future that, that didn't, didn't need a hero. I don't need she it. says that line. I don't need this it's anymore. <laughs> right, but the point is, those <laughs> things wouldn't exist because it. Skynet. If Skynet didn't exist. Okay. There, there's no way the T100. Uh, if Skynet didn't arise, I can't. I can't say anything until we reveal occur. what's happening. I guess in this l- other future, my linen suit in 1986 wouldn't exist either. But you know what, Tut? Fat fucking God, chance. I wish of a Terminator that. would show up in a linen suit and just. Because of that, there was no dress code at Shermer High in 86. I wore what I got. Tuning into morning. our podcast to make sense of this fucking movie because I don't understand. Exactly, it. you can't. Because all of a sudden, the Rev Nine from an alternate future timeline shows up. Yet the T eight hundred is still there from the previous timeline. Correct. Means I'm both exist simultaneously. That is true. Correct. In this universe. But the T-800 knows he exists from a timeline that's no longer a threat. Wrong. Wrong. True. True. No. Wrong. True. True. Carl. Carl knows that that but we threat... Have to, but we have to get there. Carl knows that he he's useless on this earth. But we're talking no. about something that no, hasn't no, no. happened yet, so he's we have to get there. He's not useless on the earth. Yes, he is. He completed his programming. Correct. So he's just but killing time. Because... <laughs> oh, no, he's watching college football and making Corona with limes. Their time... No, their time, their limes, timeline makes, still exists. i got a whole problem with that. Their timeline still exists. If they stopped the timeline, Skynet wouldn't exist, T-800s wouldn't exist... They would, f- no, they liter- would according, exist, according to the classic they theory would of time exist travel, because they're already here. But that's where this movie fucks up. They, the T This is where it fucks up. The T eight hundred exists because they were already here. This movie fucks up time travel. He's been it living does. here for twenty years. That timeline has no effect on the T eight hundred, who's been here forever. Make, make it drapes, no less. <laughs> All right, just let me go on. God damn it. <laughs> I'm with you. Oh. We're going to come back to this. Yes, have, we are. Have another elephant. Doctor, will you uh, grab me some Tylenol, Look, please? I'm going to set up a whiteboard back here. I'm going to put up some math <laughs> equations. Pythagoras over here is going to help me out. Niels Bohr is going to be happy yeah. with what we've done. Math face. Uh, we should be happy. Quantum physics is all about this. Where's the uh, bottle opener? God, this... I thought this movie was the least confusing of the series. Oh, until no. you guys started. I, I walked out of the theater like, what the fuck did I Thanks do? So, I did. Thanks a lot, college boy. <laughs> Bottle opener. Somebody, please. Where, here you go. Right there. Boom. Okay, take it easy, Chief. To get to the mysterious location... We're, fight, we're fighting on the same team, you and me. ...and find out who's been helping Sarah... Who's been sending those texts... They must sneak across the border. Very topical issue these Oh, days. God. Only the Rev-9 patches into the U.S. border cameras and has them arrested until he can get there. And who, needs, who needs a fucking wall, am I right? All he needs a Rev-9. He just kills everybody along the way. Immigration problem solved. I actually think there is a line there like, what the hell good is... There's a wall... Oh the, yeah, this Joke whole th- in there. this whole thing was a message on immigration policy, because to save the world, suddenly they you have, have to sneak, to sneak into the, the U.S. Then a big fight scene 
goes down at the Border Patrol's Immigration Detention Center, which looks, it. which looks way cleaner and more hospitable than anything I've seen of immigration True. centers. In the I, want to, I, want to, I want to inject some humor in it, too. There's, there's something you glossed over here, and it comes back. There's there, there's two. I wanted to mention this. And, oh, by the way, Danny's uncle is a coyote who's helping them sneak well, that, that's, that's But he's, he's, a, he's a good coyote. <coughs> this, this is the first... Uh, and, God, I can't believe I'm saying anything's implausible at this point, but this is the first of two things in this movie that I accuse of lazy screenwriting. One's going to come up a little later. How are we going to get across the border? Danny, I think I know somebody who can help us. Mexico's a pretty large country. I realize, like us, they have a drug problem that feeds on itself. I'm, I'm assuming not every one of the millions and millions and hundreds of millions of people that live in Mexico know somebody. Yeah, this so happens to Danny, I, I might know somebody. Yeah, but this I'll, is going to come up again later I'll, on. I'll give her a pass, though, or I'll give the screenwriting a pass because it's her uncle. I mean, she would know what her uncle what? does. I, I, I have an uncle. I know who he does. I, I, do, I do like this aspect of the film. Or not, I do like it, but I do respect it. From what I understand, the newest Rambo movie portrayed all of Mexico as a drug cartel, violent, yes. just hellhole. Mexico is like when when Rambo's niece is like, "I need to go to Mexico." Why would you want to go there? Like, I mean, this I'm, I'm living in the states. I cross the border, and he's basically back in Laos. <laughs> but but in this movie, I mean, Mexico is portrayed as a very friendly. Everyone is. Yeah, if you're Mexican. It has, it has its good parts, it has its bad parts. Uh, yeah. It's this, like everywhere. It's like everywhere, but I think this movie gave the flip side of yeah, Rambo there's a lot of There's order. a lot of corruption in the cops and the army, but there's, but there's a lot of good people there. There's a lot of good law-abiding people there. They don't all know somebody that can get them over the border. <laughs> well, but her, if your uncle is a coyote, a coyote, you know it. Just so happens... I just thought that was a little convenient. It was very convenient. Well, it's called lazy screenwriting. You know, kind of like... Knowing somebody that can get you an electromagnetic pulse weapon, but that's later <laughs> we'll on. Get to that. We'll get to that. I might know somebody uh. that can help. That was the second. I might know somebody that can help us. <laughs> then I wanted to tie those two together. So that the, uh, I'll definitely give you. A big fight scene goes down at the border patrol's uh, immigration detention center. Wait, I have to. I have to weigh in on the fight <sighs> scenes here. The fight scene here at the con- uh, the detention center, as well as the fight scene in the Mexican auto plant. Yeah. Horrible CGI when the dude is jumping <laughs> off of stuff and running across cages. It's, the Rev-9 is very blurry. The it Rev-9 sucks. morphs his body into weapons. His arms become swords. He's slicing and dicing dozens of guards as he searches for Danny in Don't the have detention a cells. The girls barely escape in a helicopter. Luckily, Grace knows how to fly a helicopter. When she, uh, when she answers... Do you know how to fly that? Of course. With well, the Rev-9. The Rev-9 is not of far behind Of course she knows them. 90s tech. Turn it into the Matrix. Give me a second. I guess this would be as good a place as any to bring up that after the Rev-9 totaled the auto plant in front of hundreds of workers, separated into two robots on the busy freeway as lots of bystanders looked on with their Nobody's cell phones. Nobody's got their Facebook. And also, now for the after fact that he that slaughtered, factory floor would be covered in cameras. And now, after he slaughtered the entire Border Patrol where there would be tons of cameras capturing all this go down, 
why wasn't the whole angle of people reviewing camera footage and trying to wrap their heads around what they were seeing explored? I really like that about T2 where they reviewed mall camera security footage and they couldn't believe they were seeing Arnold again years later. And oh, yeah. Just, when they went th- that was just like, that guy, oh, God, how could he be the same age and the when same they thing? Went, yeah, when, when they went back to the police footage from the original Yeah, they were movie, like, we can't awesome. believe it's still yeah, him. Yeah. This is this dude was on a bridge full of people with cell phones morphing into a robot. A big fucking robot sitting there. In today's day and age where everyone is filmed and sharing that footage immediately to everyone on YouTube... You have to address it. It seems really bizarre to me they wouldn't touch on that. You have to address it. In today's age, you have to This is crazy shit. He's shedding robots. He's got its sword arms. Nobody is like... We should... What is this? I'll tell you this. You can go to you can go to a barn smoker, check YouTube, and just you know hashtag barn smoker, and you can see like five different videos from people that were just sitting there, just you know this with their cell guy phones, literally morphing well, into here, a robot. Here's That's going to get filmed, and you should address it. You absolutely should. But as you as you were saying about I've been filmed things for a lot less. that <laughs> were continuing to happen, where was the military? This is what I say. Where's the military aspect in the fact that Cyberdyne, even though they destroyed it and did all that stuff, Cyberdyne was being backed by the military. The military handed them that tech, the arm and the computer chip. Right. So even after it was destroyed, there were people going, um, where did it come from? There would still be this organization that wanted to know where it came from and would be looking for it. Fuck that. Dudes with cell phones no, you're right, dude. see this well, no. guy no, shedding. Right. But right. my point is, right. as soon as they saw that, that organization is still there, that would have came up on their radar, and they would have tried to black off that stuff and control that situation. I thought that was crazy. They didn't address like all this crazy stuff people are seeing. They never addressed because, like never I said, it. the organizations that are still working on the AI programs would be like, "What the fuck is that? This is our shit." I'll just go ahead and say this. This is our right. shit three years from now. I'll just go ahead right. and say this right here, and it'll absolve <coughs> a whole bunch of conflict early or later on. It's a bad script. Sorry, well, James. No. It's a bad script. It's not a bad script. It is. When you can't address this stuff, when you can't address the multiverse timelines, when you can't address something as like the se- the social media aspect of this, yeah. it's a bad script. Yeah. That, that was a huge blunder, in my point. Well, and the These other, and the other, and the other question is... are going to be filming this shit. The other question... The, auto, the auto plant, where he's just openly... The immigration thing, the where he's... The detention center alone would have, like, 1,500 cameras in that place. Yes, and he's growing swords out of his arms and just well, slicing and, dudes and, that, and, that, and that's what I'm saying. Which, by the Border way, Patrol body cams. The, I mean, the come on. The fight scene in Daredevil with Punisher in the prison... Done for probably two million bucks was, was done awesome. so much better than this. Correct, but awesome. and, and this is where I say this: we and in this aspect, we don't know what choices were made. They could have had a lot more details, and they cut it out, saying they could have. Yeah, we I have mean, to make this somewhat original, flow, <laughs> and we don't have the time to the explore all this. The original cut of this film was originally three and a half hours. They, so they wh- cut some stuff. So what did they, might have, what yeah, did they cut that's out? A good what? Point. They cut the wrong stuff. <laughs> the wrong stuff. The True wrong enough. stuff. You know, the only thing we can agree on is nobody wants to let this go. That's no. true. I just couldn't <laughs> believe they touch on that aspect right. of it. You know what I like to touch, boys? 
In my soft hey, yet masculine hey, 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 oh, In my soft yet masculine hands every chance I get. Oh, Jesus. Like That's right, Yaks. The Pappy Van Winkle Family Reserve Barrel Fermented Cigar from Drew Estate. The how's that for a segue? There. Could've could have really gone could have really gone seg- blue there. I'm the king of segways. The Pavin Winkle Family Reserve Barrel Fermented Cigar is a long filler premium cigar rolled in limited quantities at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate in Esteli, Nicaragua. Deep barrel fermentation is the key process that makes this expression vastly different from anything on the market. That's true. Hand selected leaves from Kentucky are packed into small torquettes. Or bundles of tobacco, which are then loaded strategically into oak bourbon barrels. Water's then added, while immense pressure, like I'm under with tonight's show from Tut, is applied to the torquettes via railroad jacks. I feel like I got a railroad <laughs> jack on my fucking head right now. The tobacco is removed two to three times per year, shaken out, then repacked. The total process of fermentation takes 12 to 18 months. Leaving a truly unique flavor profile and aroma, the Pappy Van Winkle's Family Reserve Barrel Fermented is now available at Brick and Mortar for finally Drew Diplomat retailers everywhere. Go find one now. I agree. By the way, Christmas is coming up, and if you want to do some Christmas shopping, go to TuesdayNightCigarClub.com, click on the Amazon link there, and then do your shopping from there. We get a little kickback from everything you purchase. It doesn't cost you anything. It costs you nothing. And yet we get to keep the lights on and keep providing you with content. By the way, if you want to buy some cigars, uh, go to FamousSmokeShop.com. Click it, or uh, if you spend 100 bucks and you use the promo code TNCC20, you get $20 back. That's like 20%. Yeah. Pretty damn good. It's a good promo. The ladies show up at a remote cab in the woods with a white van parked out front belonging to Carl's Draperies. They knock on the door and, yep, Carl the Draperist? Yes, is that a thing? Draperist? I don't think we want to use that word ever again. Drape Mason. Drape Mason? Drape Mason. That works. Is the one and only Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's back, baby. Dun, 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 dun. But what I love he's about making drapes. But what I love about the scene more than anything yeah, else, is. everybody rushes up, gets in the thing, and as soon as it knocks on the door, slow motion. Slow motion. No, well first he's sitting there watching the Georgia South Carolina game on ESPN two. Fucking Will Muschamp, they should fight this cocksucker. Cover two, come on. Your defense is suspect. He's watching college football, it's and got it's the Terminator. The screen on the college football game it's all, cover too. It's all run pass option, run hand pass to fullback, option, hand and fullback, hail mary. <laughs> your plays call are so timeout. I just want to be like your plays are so machine like. I know I'm a machine. He's back, baby, and yes, he's the exact T800 who killed John Connor. He's got the little scar on his cheek, which he had. Remember that back at the bar, he killed John Connor. But now he's watching football. He's cutting up limes for their beers. He's petting the family dog, which you'll note is odd in that in the previous Terminator movies, the dogs dogs, always dogs hate Terminators, and this one loves him. <clears throat> Maybe he's becoming more human than machine over the years. He needed to he needed to stand up like when the door not to go out. These assholes are costing me fifty bucks. It's fourth and long. Come on, there's only two timeouts left for the Georgia Bulldogs. Carl even has an adopted Mexican son named Mateo, which I can't help but think that has something to do with me. Uh, I, thought, I thought it was an allusion to Arnold's legitimate kid. 
What's his name? I don't know, but he's uh, Hispanic, isn't he? Yes. <laughs> Turns out the rescued... He rescued Mateo and his mama from an abusive husband, and they've all lived together for decades. Asexually. She never wanted to terminate her dick. I also wanted to know, how did he save them? I literally just see him punching a hole through that dude's chest. <laughs> South Carolina Gamecocks. I'll show you a Gamecock. They don't go into what he did to Mateo's <laughs> Laundry day. You're laughing. <laughs> Over beers, Carl and the women come up with a plan of attack, with Sarah reluctantly trusting the robot who terminated her son for now. She tells him, when we accomplish our mission, I'm going to kill you. And he says he understands. There is a little moment with Sarah in the woods where she kind of cries. I would have liked her scene, like, with three or four beers. She snuck out there just like... she's not. She says she's an alcoholic. Well, I want to show it. Those don't grow on trees. My drape business doesn't pay for everything. If this is one of those scenes where he's bringing out the beer, he's cutting the limes, bringing them beers, she's over there just pouring Jack Daniels in a glass. By the way, he's cutting those limes for pale ales. Did you notice the surgical precision which he cut those limes with? I like the surgical precision. I did not like that they were going into pale ales. Into pale ales, not Mexican lagers? It should have been a Mexican beer. Bullshit. But still, she should have just been have like pouring, like emptying out the beer right. bottle, filling it with. So they, I kind of, I kind of feel, like, feel like we kind of need to address Sarah. Hold on, okay. What did y'all at this point? Yeah, I mean, she's been one note, but to me, she's it's honestly, been a very good note. She's Linda Hamilton's Sarah at this point. I thought it was a little too. Quippy, I drink and I do this, man. Like a, a lot of one-liners, which is totally the antithesis of hardcore T two Sarah. True. Which I would think after the killing of John, she would be even more twenty years of alcoholism, solemn, and add alcohol to the business. T two Sarah sh- was deep. She had so much yeah. going on. We keep going back twenty to the, years in too. We keep going back to this analogy with Halloween and Jamie Lee Curtis, but I I believe Jamie Lee Curtis and where she was in the last Halloween Sarah says she drinks till she blacks out and she but she's cracking kind of jokes. I don't know if she was written as good as she could be in this. She should have been I, a wreck. I I kinda <laughs> Well, yeah. she should. John was her everything. Correct. She should have been a. Well, her whole her whole thing since the introduction of the Terminator and finding out the future and protecting oh, her and son. I, no, and I thought this whole thing of her actually encountering the Terminator who killed her son was bl- brushed over in like a uh, a heartbeat. Nice, All right, I'll work with you, but. They had that little moment with her out in the woods where she kind of cries. But, dude, I thought, well, just comparing it to Halloween, that scene with Jamie Lee Curtis where she sees Michael get on the transfer bus and she pounds that booze and just is sobbing and screaming. I actually... I thought Jamie sold it so much more. The but re- that's not Linda Hamilton's fault. That's screenwriter's the reason fault. Why they, the- and, well, they, do, they show it for a second. I mean, she literally just picks up the gun and shoots him. Because well, That's gonna be she knows he, he's a fucking Terminator. I forgot that she did. She, she does shoot him, she does and, shoot him and a and couple of course, times. Arnold's character of the Terminator is like, 
I'm going to have a hard time explaining this to my wife, Pepe. And I'm just like, and they brush it over with comedy, but it, for her, that's cathartic because, I mean, she's released, she's venting knowing he's not going to die Correct. from I, a handgun. I didn't have a problem with it Linda was, Hamilton in this, and actually I thought that she did as good as she was allowed she to was with done, the script. She did as good as the script allowed her to do. Agreed. I, I That's that's where I kind of stand. I thought that they could have gone. But I thought I, they could have utilized her a little bit better, actually a lot better. With a better nuanced script, she would have been greater, but that's not her fault. But I, but you I, know, I actually and I liked think her Lin, I think... Linda as Sarah's character could have been and this is one of those things like I said with the changing timeline with the alternate futures I think Sarah would have been the perfect sounding board to call out that literally like what the fuck's going on because she's oh she does Arnold's she ca- absolutely Arnold's does Terminator and her character no with, she calls it out she does but I'm just like she could have been literally with the introduction of Arnold's Terminator. She could have been like, "All right, what the fuck is going on?" Yeah, and she doesn't. No, she does. No, she plays along to the story's script. But, but I mean, oh, she could, you're, oh, you're she you've developed she and all, been, all right, I'll give you a pass. And, she could have no, been the sounding board that, for like myself as the audience. There should have been so much more anguish. As much with as much her as I like the, the presence of the the, the the robot who killed her son. There should have been such a more heavy moment there. There could have been. Yeah. And she accepted it so quickly. All right. Yeah. We'll work together, but I'm going to kill you. All right. Bad script writing. Well, it's and just it, lazy. Lazy script, script writing. I mean, because literally... She is, other than both, Ripley both and Alien, Ripley and Alien, and Jamie Lee and Halloween, Sarah Connor is our one of our strongest genre heroines. I mean, literally, there's Ripley, there's Jamie Lee Curtis, and there's Sarah Connor. And they fucked her over. the Vampire Slayer. They fucked her over in the script. But, like I said... No, they didn't. They passed the torch. Well, and okay, but give reference to this. Sarah's character, she makes those changes. She adapts, because literally from the original Terminator... I'm just a waitress serving food to... <coughs> I'm supposed I'm, to be... The, I'm the mother of the resistance. She overcomes. You see her change in the original Terminator. Literally from that beginning to that last scene where she's like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. In this movie, it's kind of the same thing. The world has changed. She lost John. She finds out that the Terminator that killed her is the one that has been... Well, there's giving a, her there's these a, coordinates. there's a line that we skipped over. Like, why are you doing this? And it's like because Danny is me. I'm I'm doing this because Danny is is me. At this point, they still uh, just assume that Danny is going to give birth to the father of the resistance. Because once again, they're assuming the timeline because is very much. We the don't same. learn till a little bit later that this is a woke movie. Let's get there. Let's get there. All right, we're getting there. Let's get there. Okay. I'm sorry. They load up. Hang they, on. Hold on. Let's get there. Doctor. They load up the drapery van with Carl's insane arsenal of high-powered weapons. All right. You're, pa- so you're passing. Why could he have said the lies? You're so passing. Sorry. You're passing it by. I have to get my weapons from the shed. You're I passing this by. I know it. Wait. I know it. What are we passing by? I'm sorry. Him sitting there watching college football just took me out of things. 
I don't agree with Lee Corso. Hold on. You want the Crimson Tide? You should have seen the tampons I threw away this no, no, morning. No, 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 Lee no. Corso was the bulldog no, no, no. said. Doc- He's a fucking Up idiot. yours, Herb Street. Doctor, Fuck your Buckeyes. Doctor, there's going to be... I'm going to address that <laughs> real, very quickly. Uh, he shouldn't have put on the bulldog head. I'm I really wanted him to see doctor, him sitting around like his neighbors. He's like, you always know all these stats. What was the one again? It's 1972. 1972. <laughs> they load up uh, Carl's band <laughs> this with, guy. with his insane arsenal of high-powered weapons and head off to acquire a much more powerful electromagnetic weapon. Hold up. Hold up. That's capable of stopping the Rev-9. No. I know know a guy. Carl, unfortunately, didn't have Handy in his shed. All right. I'm sorry. Wait, 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 wait. wait. They're like, so the apocalypse, you knew this wasn't happening. Why do you have all these guns? Which he says, even without a nuclear apocalypse, I knew an inventory of high-grown weaponry might be necessary to someday protect my family with all that's going on in the world. Plus, this is Texas. Which got a great response Which, from the theater. Which, unlike Doctor, you were alone in the theater. Can't bring down the house when it's a house of one. <laughs> Everyone in my theater laughed at that Same show. here. Now, all I laughed at high night. But I, my, the second thing is, after I saw it, was like, how does he get all those high-powered rifles with the selling drapes no was I the only one was I the only one who didn't of all the homages of all the throwbacks of all the little one liners this is your perfect deal Uzi 9mm I wanted that line I just wondered how he had a drape business with no social security number he can pay taxes dude he didn't get a no no he's he's a machine he could read the tax things and, and okay I mean, he could literally probably just write out a I'll just one. say this. And, Doctor, I think this is where you were going with the football oh, thing. Sorry. Doctor, I wish Carl had been living in the woods by himself. The whole Mateo thing and his mama was totally weird. That was weird. It was totally unnecessary. He should have been living in the cab by himself. And, unfortunately, it was, it was laughable. It was, and I understand... We've lived for three decades, and well, we I don't have a sexual connection. I understand that they were trying to it make him more human, and that was the human quality to by it. Himself. But it didn't make sense. It he didn't. could totally just had had a business and lived by himself. And that would have been totally fine, too. Just let the big guy make drapes but, and live a life but, of but, solitude. But my question is, once again, even selling drapes was a really nice house. Okay. Yeah, that's a nice cabin. I mean, he's, he's got to be He's been watching all this football. He's been placing bets. Exactly. I've Penn State will win. Uh, the Sandusky thing is regrettable, it's but the you know, the Nittany Lions are my team. He is the ornament <laughs> fly notebook, the sports betting book. He knew all that stuff. I just think Mateo and the whole white thing was totally... That would actually have been totally awesome if they, were like, if they were in his gun room, like, okay... How did you get all these guns selling Ever drapes? since they fired Mac so Brown, he, he I've been stockpiling like ammunition. Actually, sports betting. So if this semi-attractive Hispanic woman lived with you for three decades with no sex, we had an understanding. Yeah. No, that's crazy. Give me the old bionic also, finger. Also, the fact that his, you know, he's got the Arnold physique. <laughs> three decades, no, you know. Was the was the T-800's dong operational? Because that thing was big. Remember the original Terminator thing was swinging all over the place in the breeze? Just saying. Wait, what? Somebody looked at that scene a little too long? Cade style. They call this one the Cyberdyne Cyclone. 
This is Cyberdong Wing. Alright, I'm just saying. He said we have an understanding. What, that she would live? Like, you rescued her from an abusive well, husband. Well, it, it would make more and sense. And then he, she never had sex again. Yeah, they, didn't, they didn't need this. They didn't call just, us. They, it they, was just messy. It I was just wanted messy him to and you didn't So at need this it. point, he needed to make the joke. They didn't call us infiltrators for nothing. He didn't, <laughs> He just needed to drink pale ales with limes and watch college football and just be by himself. That's good screen. If they're going to do that. They should have gone all the way. It's time for the T-800, doggy style. Right. I've said my piece. They travel to an abandoned warehouse where they meet a soldier who smuggled his friend Sarah an EMP weapon. Because, for the second time in the movie, we need some crazy electric magnipulse. I might know a guy. I might know a guy. Just like your uncle. Who literally like, is you might 30 know a guy. minutes away from us. Seriously, she's no longer trying to save the world up until these last few days. She's been retired. She obviously doesn't have any cash. Why would this dude help her get this crazy... Here's what I this wanted. This has got to be something that was cut. Wait, no. I have a question. No, no, no. I, I, need, I need to ask a question from a scene we've passed over. I need to ask a question. In, in the Laredo house, they ask him, how was it that she got the texts? What did he say? I didn't catch it. And again, I'm in the theater by myself. He gets... How, how, did, how did he know to tell her? He gets a... a he gets in his... Terminator brain an alert when someone another Terminator is showing up and he passes along. Does to anyone Sarah. get the exact? Does anyone recall the exact line of script? He no. <laughs> he, he he knows. Okay, yeah, but I, I was like, no, what? no, I was like, what happened? There, there are certain energy signatures from time travel that appear, and he's capable of picking them up. And so basically, these, he would pass them along to Sarah with a for I just, John. I just didn't catch how he got it. No, he. Terminator. And I was sober-ish. It, it was the MacGuffin in a okay. movie of MacGuffins. Sorry, I had to go back to that. But here's the thing. Oh, I thought I thought the African-American yeah. soldier who gave them the EMP weapon in the warehouse, because she has no money, and she's not she hasn't been fighting a war for so long. But she's been hunting Terminators. The only way this makes sense is if it was Danny Dyson. The kid from T2. Miles Dyson's son. So you agree with me that they badly failed to explain his reasoning? It would have made perfect sense because he actually knows the essential work she's doing against yeah. the future. And because his father died for it. And, that's, and because the little boy saw. The little boy the saw little it. Saw but that, they didn't no. do that. But so did I miss something? They didn't explain any reason why no, he had any No, it was just a random her. soldier that was like... No. Hey, didn't explain that here's at all. a three million dollar weapon I smuggled out to you. It made no and I sense. This major act of treason, I'm okay with it. Yeah, when he says it, he goes, "I'm not committing treason for just anybody." I'm like, but "Okay, there's gonna be. A, I'm gonna get a reasoning." And we had no explanation. Okay, no explanation. I want to make sure I. It would have shitty screenplay out the ass. It would have also been more interesting had she turned around and literally he's like, he goes, brings the brings out the EMP weapon, and she's like, "Fine." Turns around and shoots Arnold again, like, and he'd be like. Look, he didn't die. Machine. Yeah. But no. Because then he would have been... Because he would have been one of those guys like... That should have been Miles Benedict Dyson's son. I've listened to this Dyson's woman with son. her crazy conspiracy yeah. theory. Yeah. That should have been Miles Benedict Dyson's son. I committed treason this afternoon when I bet at 10000 on Sam Houston State to beat <laughs> Texas. What was I thinking? Well, you're damn... He's a Terminator. He never make that horrible of a bet. 
But just then, the Rev 9 shows <laughs> up outside the warehouse in a helicopter. You're liking, it. You're liking those references. Dude, he's outside the warehouse in a helicopter, and he chases them <laughs> to a nearby military airport where they somehow commandeer a huge army airplane and take off. How are you going to get a hold of a C-5? Alright. Give me a minute. Because, yes. At this point, I'm just going along with, I like Grace so much, she can just do anything. After a crazy action set piece set up in the sky, where for some reason the military hasn't shot down them for stealing their airplane. No, they give them a military escort. It's an escort. Yeah, they're like flying along with them for some reason. The African-American guy who gave him the weapon is somehow like calling the shots down there like, let him go. But he was like clearly just a soldier. He wasn't a... uh, Wasn't a colonel... Wasn't a general, At least which would everyone would be believable. I think this was a crazy action scene, as everything was so dark and moving so fast, I couldn't tell what the fuck was going on for at least five minutes. The Rev-9 jumps from his stolen airplane onto theirs, and another fight scene goes down in the cargo hold area of the plane, where they're all floating around and bouncing off the walls. Which, okay, if you're a Terminator, or Grace... Linda Hamilton is 70 years old. She's like a grandma. She's bouncing around like <coughs> she'd be hurt. Plus, they were floating like it was in a zero-gravity space shuttle. Well, that's Doctor, because what the, do you think that would the, do to, Sarah, to Sarah's body? My God, Mr. Kate, she would be pulverized like an orange in something that makes freshly <laughs> made orange juice. She would be just destroyed. She'd be hurt. Every every molly now I'm Dr. Hoffman, every molecule in body would have been useless to her. She's not surviving. My God the pain <laughs> she would have been in. She's not surviving. My yet. god the way she would have been pulverized like a tangerine. The plane under Tut's newly formed calf muscles. <laughs> <laughs> the plane's engines were literally on fire forever, and the plane was literally spiraling down to earth forever. Which is why there But there be was zero no G's. real sense of panic or imminent danger here, am I right? Oh. You see the plane's engines on fire, you see it crashing down, but five minutes later it's still soaring down to Earth. There was no, like, this is trouble, this is... It had no impact. I didn't, I, had I, no, I didn't feel the tension. I had no tension whatsoever. I just needed, I just needed the, the T-800 to all of a sudden grab a cell phone and go, Oh, shit, what happened? <laughs> Texas Tech lost this afternoon. <laughs> Eventually, the good guys pile into a Humvee inside the plane and parachute out of the plane where they crash down into a giant body of water. Oh, it's one, like the freaking boulder dam. That was one the tough... What was that all about? That was one tough Humvee. They crash into the, the lake. Windows don't leak any water. They just start driving across the bottom of the sea. Humvees are tough. That, that's possible, right? Humvees are awesome, apparently. Can you, can you drive one underneath the Hoover Dam? No. Which, for a little bit of trivia, Arnold was the person that did own the first... First military-grade Humvee and For civilian That's use. true. Danny and Grace fight the Rev-9 underwater, which would have been cool, but it was still so dark, I couldn't really tell what yeah. was going on. Just water rushing around. Hire the director who's cool at action sequences. 
Okay, what's happening here? It's so dark and murky. I don't know. We can tell what's going on right now. No, no, no. Throw more bubbles in there. We don't want to know. At this point, my beer kicked in, and I had to go to the restaurant. The Rev-9 follows them up into the dam area, into the engineering room where the final showdown takes place. You guys ready for the final showdown? I am ready. Please. Basically, here it's more fighting... With especially Grace and Carl going toe-to-toe with the Rev-9 and his robot shadow puppet. He sheds that endoskeleton, so they're both fighting. Arnold grabs like a sledgehammer and just is like beating him. At one point, the Rev-9 asks them, Why don't you just hand Danny over? This could all be over. Just hand her over to me. And Sarah explains, Because we're not machines, you metal motherfucker. Well, you kind of are. That was kind of cool. So We're not machine. Well, okay, that person's a machine, uh, and that's a machine. Actually, I'm kind of like I'm not. And this one, no. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be a good point. My teammate, he's a machine. Me and the nineteen old machine. Me and the nineteen old Mexican girl are not machines, but the others are. Me and the Mexican girl are not a machine. I'm uh, <laughs> thinking that you and I are in agreement that uh, strong performance from Linda Hamilton. She did what she had with the lines that were written for her. She, she did, did the, the best, best she, she could, could do with <laughs> the resources available <laughs> to her at the time. I think that's what a lot of people so did. That's in this what movie. Cade says every time he's rewatching a podcast two days later. I did the best I could with the resources that available to me. Resources being that hurts. That felt, that that felt like an insult. Oh, did I just do that? Too? You did. I'm sorry. And to think that I wrote down a quote here: "The phased penis in the 40 watt range." <laughs> I'm gonna with their electromagnetic the weapon. With their electromagnetic weapon damaged at this point, the only thing that can stop the Rev Nine is Grace's power source. But using it will kill her. Tough choices have to be made. So Danny rips it out of Grace's body. Which makes no sense to me, considering... Hey, no, we've seen this from her before. Just like she made the tough call as to which tamales to get her pop-off her breakfast. That's that, all we, the background we got on her. is like she could pick a good breakfast for her family. I'm going to rip... She ripped it well, out of, of Grace's body. She takes a piece of jagged metal. And uses it and to And cuts it out of her... Where apparently the same cyborg woman who survives falling from bridges and getting hit with bullets and throwing out and plane crashes, but instead of a, a, a unsharpened, jagged piece of metal will cut through me. I think you're reading too much into it. But get this. I'm just saying. She uses it to terminate the Terminator, and actually both Terminators, because Carl dies as well. Both the T-800 and the Rev-9 melt down into the core of this factory. Or the dam, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, It's okay, though, because we learned in a flashback that a grown-up 40-year-old Danny, they couldn't age her at all. She just had like an... Cornrows and cornrows, no scars. All the, all this battles. She, she even John, even John had a scar. Yeah, she saved a preteen Grace from thugs twenty years later in the future, while leading the resistance movement. So Grace has just now returned the favor. You saved me. Now I'm going to save you. We cut to a scene days later where Danny and Sarah climb into a jeep, much like Sarah climbed into the end of Terminator One. And they drive off together to prepare for the coming storm 
much like the ending of the original film. But Only no, in the original film, she was giving. <laughs> she was. <laughs> Sarah was giving birth to the leader of resistance. Danny is the leader of the resistance. I was about to say, we kind of missed that scene. How woke is that? We kind of missed that scene. She doesn't need to have a man come out of her womb to relieve the resistance. She is the resistance. The end. You got a problem with that, don't you? I thought thought you did. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call you out. Actually, I... It's a turn. Now Kate's getting aggressive. Get a problem with that, don't you, you motherfucker? You it, metal motherfucker. They do say something at that point, like she doesn't need a man to come out of her womb to save the world. She is the savior. Well, of the it world. was like you know, like, it was like, oh, it's not, it's not who you're going to get. It's not who you're going to give birth to in the future. It's your the, womb that they wanted. Yeah. Elephant, elephant. And elephant. she's like, no, it's not my womb. She's the one. I'm okay with that. I, I kind of am, but. I mean, because I, I don't know. There was something about I, and I I hate trying to go here because it's controversial, but the girl power essence of this movie was so up in your face from the entire. A lot of people felt time. that because James Cameron created one of the strongest female, you know protagonists Sarah Connor that when the Me Too and all that came out he had like dude I'm gonna go totally I I gotta outdo it and it's gonna make the most woke cultured uh, you know what we don't need John Connor anymore we got this Mexican chick that it's all on her if that was the thought they didn't cast the right actress for one they didn't write her correctly in the screenplay it for, didn't matter because the two. dialogue said it all I mean the dialogue was all about girl power it was all about you know fuck John Connor fuck your whole thing screw the whole timeline that we had you know what that timeline's done that timeline's the past that timeline was a well, you I know, didn't mind figment any of that. I didn't mind any of this that. time you know not only are we going to have the woman be the protagonist but she is the resistance I mean it was just I just it was all just girl am, power, girl power, girl power, and done so in a way that was so in your face, bludgeoning you with this woke stick that I was just like, I'm, I don't, I don't mind, I don't, I don't, I don't I'm mind fine. the message, but at the same time, I kind of reject you just hitting me in the I, fucking no, face no, with no. it. You know what? I'm fine with that if you write it well and if the actress portrays it well, and you cast the wrong actress. Maybe not the wrong I don't, actress. I don't know. I think not, you're. Maybe I think not, no. Maybe the not the, the wrong one actress. consistent thing throughout it, this entire night has been shitty script. You wrote it wrong, because all we have to base this chick on as the future leader of the resistance is she got her dad and brother breakfast and she stood up to a guy at work. Sarah had in T two. All those therapy sessions. I love the. I all, love the fact. I love the that, fact that Sarah went from. Sarah went from a waitress who was just partying Correct. to confused to drunk to psychiatric just mess up to this hardcore feminist ultra militant 
that's, stuff. That's an it arc. Was, it was a development. That's an arc. Danny, and, I'm, Danny, and I'm fine with that. Danny but the fact that Danny didn't do that is nothing. just you hitting me with a woke stick. And that's, Every, everything I, is written wrong here. Everything is written it's wrong. A, it's a terrible screen. I'm sorry. As much as it's great to see Arnold still doing his thing, everything that happens from the moment they meet him at his Laredo house, his whole the whole description for his being... The whole description for how he is the way he is is just bad. It takes me out of it. Uh, everything about the script is bad. And from I, I still, the the whole, I might know a guy that can get us over the border. I might know a guy that has an EMP weapon. The whole script is just lazy and bad. There's some good action sequences. Like Cade says, the CGI takes some of it away. The whole script is just bad. And well, it's time to croak the franchise. You know, and I and my, say, my number one, I'm going to tell you why in a minute. My number one question, and I I want to add to that as is, well, is you know, Cameron got involved, and obviously he, as I said, he rewrote a lot. What was the original? I would have been curious. I would have been curious about because, that because you know, if you take current situations and past situations. Would we be having the same conversation if it was not John Connor but Jane Connor? Lin- Linda Hamilton's character gives birth to a girl. That would have been kind of cool. I mean, would would we care? Because I mean, in this one, all we see You're from the beginning a, is that a we shift see in the timeline. We that, see that Grace. Cool. We see Danny. We see Linda, and then eventually we see Arnold's Terminator. But. She's a heavy drinker, so you're saying she ran into the doctor on some midnight sojourn, and there was Jane Connor. <laughs> All right, but, let, let me let me say these couple points. I think one of the primary reasons this flick lacks the weight and impact of the previous two entries, the original Terminator and T2, and this has nothing to do with the film's direction whatsoever, is that we don't really fear a nuclear holocaust like we did in the 80s and early 90s. Those images of a post-apocalyptic wasteland carried real weight back then. That's because it was far-fetched then, and now we think it might happen any day. And I don't think they have that same impact anymore. No. Say what you want about that crazy little fatso in North Korea. Back in the 80s, that was a real... We were having school drills to get under our desk. The Cold War was a real thing, and we had Uh. this... I don't think we have that... The nuclear war doesn't have that same... Scare factor as it does as it did back then. Yeah, but but AI taking over does have a good fear factor. But doctor, if if that's the ultimate thing of these movies is a nuclear holocaust, are you with me? We don't have that. Absolutely, we don't have that same. In nineteen eighty four, when you're seeing those beautifully shot scenes with different technology of this blackened universe with the skull piles everywhere. That's something in a 1984 you're like, oh my god in 40 years is this what we're gonna be? Yeah, you're right. It's like now that now that's somehow less scary no matter what timeline you're thinking I mean of. granted, you know, like I said a little fatso in North Korea has got well, some some, some bombs but the, we don't we don't that was a every kid in the 80s and early 90s. That was a real fear you had. I of thought you made, it, you made an but excellent it, point but earlier. In the new alternate timeline, they did specify in this that the nuclear holocaust was not from the AI. It was from us trying to destroy Legion. 
It doesn't matter. It's not as an audience member. It's not a scary thing anymore. Correct. So that and they and they obviously changed that. We tried to nuke the AI. First of all, versus the AI nuking us I have, from the original. I, I have to say this. I'm Doc, sorry. The doctor's fact, with me. The fact that you changed it from Skynet to Legion. Fuck you, James Cameron. I'm sorry. Skynet is ever so much a character as the T-800. I appreciate... It should have been Alexa. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, I mean, come on, man. Alexa, nuke the Mexicans. No, no. It's Jason, Michael, Freddy, Skynet. Skynet is a character just like every one of those other ones. Very true. It is iconic. Skynet, and you change it to fucking Legion... It's a it's a terrible name. A I know, man. It's kind of like the Imperial Army becoming the New Order. It just fucking God, sucks. It does. I mean, like, God damn it. I agree. I also think it fails oh, big time in regards to its, its central villain, the Rev-9. How do you go from Arnold in the original Terminator to Robert Patrick's T-1000 in T-2 to this? Both... Both of those on-screen antagonists were so revolutionary in what we were seeing on screen, not to mention the way that the actors actually portrayed them on screen. Well, my... <coughs> I thought that Rev-9 was weak sauce. True, but my question bland. is, is why did the Rev-9, it obviously being a very advanced... Don't do this movie unless you have a revolutionary bad guy. Well, why did... In, this is one of the. One of my question is, is: Why did the Rev Nine not question the fact that the, he looks at Arnold and was like, "What the fuck are you?" Yeah. Because in his in you the Rev Nine database. Yeah, like you don't exist. You shouldn't exist. Where are you from? That would baffle Helen because he's and like, because the, the Rev Nine could control like all other technology. Why couldn't he, when he grasped Arnold, control Arnold? So once again, because Arnold's basic operating system was different, was different. It should resist. But my my other point is, he, he should have questioned. The, oh, like oh, you shouldn't mind. exist. What are you? No, it's not that you shouldn't exist. It should be what are you? Like I have no clue what you are. What the fuck correct. are you? Arnold's timeline ended. Well, that's what I'm saying. He's literally Marty McFly in a in a timeline that ended, and Marty McFly shouldn't be there. But, techni- but he's stuck there. But technically, he still does exist. Yeah. Because that timeline still does exist. Right. I hate to get jaded and cynical, but I already am. So I I totally appreciate Cade where you're coming from when you say do something revolutionary. I think that. You just can't do it anymore. I mean, we've seen everything. You made, we, you made we know Arnold's role as the T-800 in the original movie. This is a masterpiece film. It put this guy who was meant to be one of the greatest movie stars ever known in the history of cinema. It was his penultimate star-making role. Yeah. And then you come back, we all agree, this fantastic sequel with Robert Patrick as the T-1000. Great technology for the time, great villain. They just really can't do this anymore. I just, at some point, I don't know when. I don't even think I would have said this ten years ago. But at some point, I just go into these franchise films without any expectations anymore. Well, that leads me to the last point, Doctor. Well said. This film has been compared to The Force Awakens by most critics that I read. 
and how it's an attempt to reintroduce the franchise to a new generation of viewers while paying several homages and tributes to the previous films along the way. But based on the box office results from this last weekend, which sucked, I think it's clear that while people care deeply about Star Wars and look forward to gobbling up new Star Wars stories every chance they get, they just don't give a goddamn fuck anymore about the Terminator films. If they ever did, FT2, it was the perfect ending. It was never meant to be a franchise. It was a standalone film that did really well, and it was kind of a cult film. They managed to branch it off into a really cool summer blockbuster. That's it. Nobody gives a shit about Terminator films, and I'll tell you why. Even if you're mildly mildly curious about Dark Fate as a moviegoer, which a lot of people maybe were but didn't go see it this weekend as the box office shows, who could blame them for not forking over their 19 bucks or their 30 bucks or their whatever after the three shitty ass films that came before this? When I when I when I was about to go in there and was getting my popcorn in this empty theater on Monday, one of the guys turned to the, one of the other people working there and he said, "Man, Terminator didn't do that good this weekend." And he's like, hey, "I guess they all remember the last one." <laughs> I thought he say, "Look at that asshole going to the theater no, by himself." No, he said it. He was like, "I guess they I guess they were all bummed out by the last one." It's like the Predator sequels. Give it up. Nobody cares. Nobody wants any more of these. Just stop. Croak the franchise. Just stop. Didn't you guys see the new Predator movie? Yes. Shit? Basically. There it was alright. But... It was alright. And, and I put this in the... That, that column of... Not everything needs to be a franchise. Well, not everything not needs everything to be a franchise. Needs to but be if you are going to... Brought back. You right. really need to have people... Who just watch and rewatch the original source material and take that tone. Yeah, but I mean, who better to do a Terminator script than James fucking Cameron, who did the original? Correct. And, and he and, flubbed and, this. And this, well, no. No, he flubbed this. Still, really don't I'm know sorry. how much he, he had didn't his hands write on this. According, no, according no, to no, him, no. He's, he's according to him, record. he is saying this that is he was. Secret. Okay. He this was is, he was saying that he rewrote the script. He was doing rewrites the day before they my, shot. Doing rewrites, but once again, this is did me. he write the entire no, no, no. script? No, no, it doesn't matter. He, said, he had that. This is me. This is what I want. The third. This, this, I didn't like any other. Was this is. Dude, he's on record. This he's is on me. record for this. Right. This is him. This is me. He I, put his once name again, on. I understand that he's saying that, but I don't think he did a full rewrite. I don't think he said. Oh no, this script. You're crap. more forgiving. You're more forgiving than I am. I'm correct. saying he made I'm like, for a full that. rewrite, but he gave it a thumbs up. I'm like, correct. you put your and name so, on this. I'm going to pin it on is you because they're using the other thing. If and, and I take this with Terminator, and I take this with Predator. The originals, if you look at those, if you look at the tone, the, the feeling of those films, if you, and, I, and it saddens me, but you want to recapture that or you want to translate that to a newer version, the people watching it, they don't, and this comes from someone who has 
just like everybody else at this table, seeing these movies not once or twice, but 20, 30 times. You can't you can't replicate a desperate filmmaker. You can't replicate a They're not hungry? They're not hungry. They're not but just even those tones, the tone but you of, can, but you the can come tone up with of a the original story. Terminator Can't is I don't know. the tone of the Judgment Day was not Judgment Day was not in the the wheelhouse. That was not no, no, no. expected. That was, was pre Avatar. That was pre Titanic. He was a different filmmaker. That was but very but, true. But that wasn't scheduled. But, that wasn't the grand scheme. He wasn't George Lucas saying, "I've got this franchise of Terminator. That's I what wrote I'm this saying. whole arc." That's he, what I'm they saying. were like, "Hey, you know what?" Terminator was great. Nah. Can you come up with a T two? He was like, "Let the me write script, this down. This it's script, fine." This script was total shit. The whole no, it thing. was. Well, I'm no. not. Agri- I'm not. I'm not debating this, that at all. These I'm, movies, I'm enforcing that. These movies were not dark, and I don't mean that in like, oh, these movies were not gritty. These movies were not dark. If you think back on the original Terminator, how much of it was at night? How much of it was taking place in the shadow? This Terminator, same thing. It did not take on there to wasn't, that. There wasn't a sense of urgency. There wasn't a sense of storytelling. But there I wasn't go, a sense of atmosphere. Back. There wasn't a sense of environment. I'm sorry. You give me that scene with Reese and Linda in that sewer in the original talking about the stuff that is one of the best story it's environment a creation time. scenes it's, it's in the to- it's a totally no, different no, time. No, it no, wasn't. No, 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 that was just him... That was him no. establishing the whole. I'm not defending this world no, no, no. of Tut. I agree with you 100 percent on that. That those scenes with Reese describing the post-apocalyptic nuclear holocaust. I just think that for whatever reason, nuclear war isn't scary to filmgoers so much anymore. When I watched the original Terminator, I was terrified of nuclear war. Right. Now keep in mind that was when the 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 miniseries, the the day after. Right. I mean, we, we were just inundated with Cold War nuclear stuff. I just don't think it's an impeding storyline anymore. Nobody thinks that little fatso in North Korea is going to shoot a nuclear bomb at us. It's just not. It's just not. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, when you strip away everything, the story at the core is an unstoppable menace coming after you. That's but you, if for you, a if greater you away, for a you, greater thing. Yeah, I and if you don't that. buy into that greater thing, and if your thing coming after you, it looks CGI like everything everything you've seen on a sci-fi movie on Saturday night. It just loses its effect. It's just. It's just. Trash. Well, the reason why Arnold is great in this. I will. I Arnold will, is phenomenal in this. He's so good. Get rid of Mateo and the wife, and it's just a dude watching football, drinking beers. That would have worked for me. I love the line when they're waiting for the guy in the warehouse. And he's like, "People come to me for drapes in their children's bedrooms," and I'm like, "You don't want to go stripes? Don't do it. Or solids? You want to go unicorns?" I'm. Everyone in that theater was laughing out loud at that yes. stuff. Any of these late Schwarzenegger movies, The Last Stand, Escape Plan, they're not failures because of Arnold. He's delivering. Right. And Actually, if the I script's like there, the he's stand. delivering really good shit. I thought it's The Last the, Stand was great. It's the scripts that are failing him 
as a whole. But he's getting, he, he's giving it fucking gold. The movies haven't failed Arnold. Or, I'm sorry. Arnold hasn't failed the movies he's been in since he came out of retirement. They failed him. Because they give him some good lines and he's great in them. But as a whole, they're just disappointments. And that's not on him. Uh, whether it's Expendables or Last Stand or Escape, he's the greatest thing in those fucking movies. Yes, he's on top of his game. Somebody just needs to fucking write a good script and encapsulate it. This was not the script. This script sucked balls. Correct. Very much so. But like I said, they they had a lot going on. And they, they did not, going on. and they did not reconcile the differences. You would think as Hollywood screenwriters, of, I, I they, going on. they they would try to reconcile those things. But you know what? We all got a lot going on. I believe in you. You but got a lot it, going on. It just... It does bum me uh, out because I'm sitting there going, you know... I, I, am, I, I wanted you, a good Terminator movie. I didn't get it. So now I don't want any other Terminator movies. I'm done with Terminator. I agree. They, oh, absolutely. I they really say. should not make any more of these. And that's not that's nothing on Arnold, that's on everybody else. Do we agree that filmmaking movies are probably the ultimate description of art and commerce just don't mix? That all of the things, I mean the debates that we've had, the passion that we've had about it, I think that's great. But it just shows again that the thing is, when they get you to buy your ticket, and when they get an idiot like me to buy one for an IMAX show, they've really doubled down. I mean, they're just trying to make their money. And I think art and commerce can mix. Uh, I think Rogue One is a great mixture of the two. I think Deadpool was a great mixture of the two. Would you agree in general, though, that that's a rule that, I mean, they're, they're going to yeah, make a no, movie, it, try and market it, try and get us to go pay to see yeah, it, yes. yeah. and we're going to sit they're, here and have the arguments, the passionate arguments we've had about but it. But I will say this, if you, if you pull that too many times... I will see the new Star Wars movie just because I'm I'm a loyalist. I don't really kind of care to see it, but I will see it just because I'm a f- fucking sucker, and I will pay the money even though my bar is set ridiculously low. On the Terminator stuff, if Arnold is in a new Terminator, I will see it. If Arnold is not in a new Terminator, fuck you, I'm not seeing it. You have to show. You have to prove that there's going to be a good story somewhere. You've lost me. It's a good. It's a great point, Tony, had, Because have, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to pay to see the new Star Wars movie. So it's. And a, I don't it's blame a, it's, you. It's a great, I actually. Don't. I think that's a great point that we you're making. We haven't had a good Terminator movie now in three, four, five, six, four movies. I'm done. Twenty eight years. I don't. I don't blame it. I, I don't blame. As it. you guys know, I'm the biggest Arnold fan on the face of the earth. Come out with another one. I'm done. I'll see anything that he's in. I, I, You're the biggest Arnold fan ever? I'm checking it out. You son of a bitch. Oh, sorry. Tug, give us some links. 
at TNCC Cast on Twitter. Uh, join us on YouTube, Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Join us on Facebook, Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Hit us on uh, Instagram, TNCC underscore podcast. Uh, if you're going to buy some cigars, hit the uh, famous smoke shop banner on the TuesdayNightCigarClub.com website. Hit the promo code TNCC20 for any purchase over $100. You'll get $20 back. That's like 20% off. If you want to buy a humidor from the fabulous Daniel Marshall, uh, hit the little uh, link on our TuesdayNightCigarClub.com website. Trade in your old jankity. Man, I wonder if you can send a Tupperware box to Daniel Marshall and say, this is you what could. my humidor is. He'd, He'd probably it. do it. And get you one of those fabulous Americanas, man. Yep. Do it. Do you it. Do it. I, I want to. So damn You'll bad. be on the pod review coming out soon? Oh, the trick one? Yes. Uh, we'll have uh, a new uh, Halloween just passed, and the doctor spent Halloween watching a new Halloween slasher flick. We're going to have that review up Ooh. probably tomorrow, so it'll be up when you hear this episode. Featuring Tom Atkins. Oh, Featuring the one and only Tom Atkins, the original Terminator of Pussy. And he's still terminating. <laughs> he's still tearing it up. He's in his early 80s, and he, he, he that, that's, I'll buy a ticket for a Tom Atkins movie. Oh, good. Dude, I'm, I'm not with Todd. If they come out with Terminator with Arnold, I'm, I'm not watching it. Anything that comes up with Tom Atkins. He's going to Terminator 80? The T1 million with Tom Atkins? Yeah. Uh, did you guys know? <laughs> Son Kate's buying a ticket to that. Okay. Well, we'll see you next time. Oh, uh, I am going to start putting my phone in a bag of potato chips. <laughs> Only because I usually have both those things around. I'm sorry. I love that line when Arnold was like, yeah, go ahead. And put <coughs> if you want to put your phone in a bag of potato chips, then keep your phone in a bag of potato chips. Sign us <laughs> off, Kate. Oh, God, I love that line. Can you give it to me one more time, Betsy? If you're going to keep your phone in a bag of potato chips, then keep your phone in a bag of potato chips. <laughs> and why did I bet $50,000 on a North Texas Mean Green to beat LSU? It was the stupidest fucking thing I've done in 25 years. I don't know why I had to do the scene with Mateo talking to him about masturbation. The I birds and the bees. Look at this metal arm. It'll choke your cock right up. Uh, did you have to talk to Mateo about the birds and the bees? I just I had changed his diapers. This is Mateo and I tell my my young immigrant son about no we didn't need any of dude sometimes, Mateo should have gotten the fucking sometimes you will get those not so fresh feelings. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, you're just changing inside. Thank you everyone for joining the Tuesday Night Cigar Club podcast. Kate's dying. Tut, you might have to sign us off. Kate's sign us dead. off, Tut. Kincaid's dead. Uh, may the wings of liberty never lose a fucking feather. Sayonara, motherfuckers! And don't bet on the mean green to beat LSU, stupid. To learn more about the time I woke up naked and confused in a downtown alleyway, blinded by a bright blue light, with police lights swirling all around me. Please, read my sci-fi classic short story, Do Androids Dream of Electric Keiths, by Keith A. Howell. It doesn't have the steamy sex scenes in it like my previous short story, A Wrinkle in Keith, but I do bang a hell of a lot more cybernetic organisms than this one. You see, folks, there's no emotions involved when banging robots. 
just a lot of Keith doing his thing like only he can. Snoochie boochies. And, uh, <clears throat> in the meantime, to learn more about the cigars and other libations enjoyed on tonight's episode, you can visit DanielMarshall.com and Carlsberg.com. Snoochie boochies, as Silent Bob probably wouldn't say. For more on O'Brien's Irish Pub, the live music leader in Central Texas, please visit O'BrienSimple.com and download their free smartphone app, where you'll find full beer listings including over 40 on tap, menu information, and a calendar of upcoming live events. To listen and purchase music heard on tonight's program, check out www.fritzbeermusic.com. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club Podcast. This is Keith A. Howell saying, until next time, friends, unless we see you sooner at the pub. So keep it smoky, and for God's sake, keep it ballsy as well. Go to sleep, I